We're going to Florida, and we're going to bring you back a victory to Jackson. Got the yard! What? What'd you say, Nacha? Man, you a plump fool, man. Hey, what you say there, Chuck? What you say there, Chuck? Oh, hey, welcome I to the can't hear you. I can't hear you. Yeah. Right, mighty quiet. <laughs> welcome to the OG Strength. Hey, I'm going to be nice right now. Uh, hey, why? Anyway, uh, welcome to the OG Strike Zone. Ryan Fulford, Marcus Green, Kelvin Rozier. They're at the bottom of the screen, and it's good to be on with you for another Wednesday night. Uh, some good family talk. We are the uh, brothers that uh, cover Florida AM athletics uh, and culture, uh, all things FAMU, as, uh, as we are just uh, – Three Rattlers trying to do our best to uh, shine some light in those dark <laughs> corners of the room and keep a spotlight on the positive things that we are that we are doing. How's everybody doing tonight, Marcus, Kelvin? How's everybody doing? Good. <laughs> it was a, hey. it was a, it was a relief in that doing good. <laughs> doing good. Hey, did you hear that Baron White? I, I did, you know. I, I did. I heard that, man. My goodness, Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a little, it was a little cold. Hey, a little cold. Hey, a little cold. It came out of this. Hey, I know. I ain't no I, I, in I, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what up, boy? Yeah, indeed. How <sighs> how things going for you, Kelvin? Everything's going well, man. I'm, you know. I'm excited about this game, man. I, I you know, I, I mentioned before we started the show that I kind of changed my opinion a little bit on um, the results from last week. Of course, I, I know it was a um, we're a talented team, and, and we actually had an opportunity to win. But you know, I, I, I'm more positive and optimistic after last week's result, actually. So, but I, I'm doing well. You know, everybody's doing well, man, and I can't wait till uh, Saturday to uh, play again. Exactly, exactly. The uh, home opener for our, our uh, Rattlers is this Saturday, 6 p.m. Uh, Ken Riley Field at Bragg Memorial Stadium. Um, so that's the, we'll, we'll get into talking about Ken Riley Day, which will be Saturday in Tallahassee. And uh, we're looking forward to it. I uh, want to thank everybody who took time to watch our post-game show from late Saturday night, boy, yes, late. Uh, boy, I tell yes. you what, shout, shout out to everybody who watched it live. Shout out to everybody who came in and watched it uh, when you woke up on Sunday morning. Like, oh, these brothers did a show, you know. So I know that had to be hot, but um, that, you know, we, we're setting goals, man. We're trying to trying to make sure we do a proper post game after every show, and uh, also hopefully you had a chance to check out the post-game press conference with Coach Simmons and uh, Jeremy Musa. Uh, shout out to uh, Josh Padilla uh, for yeah. making that happen. Uh, hopefully we get more of those those live in-person pressers. That was really good, really positive, good. You know, yeah. we've had two of those in a row. Uh, so hopefully with the home game coming up, we'll get a chance to have another in-person in, in presser, uh, and, and that way we can bring you some some good video and and it, it'll be positive. I, I think the I think the media is starving for it. 
So hopefully we can uh, hopefully we'll see that happen on Saturday. Uh, coming up on today's show, obviously a lot of talk as we're getting ready for West Florida. We'll recap a few bullet points from last week, the USF game. Maybe some things that we didn't get a chance to talk about. A lot of awards, uh, not only for the football team, but volleyball, cross country, uh, everybody. You know, we're getting all kinds of recognition for the student athletes uh, making some, making some, uh, making some name for themselves and the program uh, in the SWAC. So we'll get to those, and we'll also open up. I think we'll get an opportunity, hopefully, in this show to give you guys an opportunity. You know, we did it last week where we open up the uh, the video line. And you, obviously, if you don't choose the video, you can call in. But we want to hear from you. So hopefully we'll get a chance at an hour or two to talk to uh, Rattler Nation and give you a chance to kind of share your thoughts on the USF game, maybe the West Florida game. Uh, coming up at 8.30, bottom of this hour, we're going to get an insider's perspective on the University of West Florida from – First-hand knowledge from uh, Will Kennedy, who is the voice of the Argos. That's the University of West Florida. So we'll get a first-hand conversation with him. We'll kind of find out West Florida. Look, guys, did you know what? I didn't even know this. Uh, according to D2Football.com, I didn't check the other polls, West Florida comes in ranked number six. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't know where I don't know where they are in the other polls, but. And they're preseason ranked number eight. Preseason rank number eight. So mm -hmm. this is this is uh, in, in terms of you know we've always talked about the when you have a highly ranked Division two team, it's almost like playing uh, an FCS level team at, to some degree. You know, I mean there there's slight differences. Obviously, people always talk about the scholarships, but uh, I tell you what, uh, these these upper level D two teams, shoot, you 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 tell me where the difference yes. is sometimes. So mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. Hey, we as we mentioned, Brian. I mean, just in HBCU, it's been like four D two upsets already. Exactly in the first two weeks, in the yeah. first two weeks. So that's definitely something that uh, that uh, we, we will get a chance to talk about. We'll hear from Coach Simmons. I had a chance to be a part of the Monday press conference, and I know he's done the SWAC head coaches press conference. Uh, obviously, he had his show the other day. He spoke at the 220 club today. So uh, from, from my accounts, and Marcus, you were saying you've kind of heard that the messaging is very similar in, in everything that he has been saying lately. Yes. In terms of the, the pre-press conferences that were on Monday, you know, he emphasized you know, playing, uh, I think, the fundamentals of the seven Fs. He emphasized them in all three press conferences, the one with the local media or FAMU, the SWEC press conference, coaches press conference, and even the Willie Simmons coaches show that Monday evening. So the fundamentals he thought was a primary key in not being victorious on Saturday, where we know we had five turnovers. And he mentioned that the two fumbles and the interceptions, he, he said the first one uh, looked like it was a misread or a miscommunication between the receiver and the quarterback. The second one was that screen he threw in the middle, but he thought the fumbles were key. And if, you know, looking back at it, and I know you can't extrapolate a whole lot, you know, like what woulda, coulda, shoulda in terms of things, but it could have been a 14 yes, point turnaround. Hold on. Yes, we can. Because we fans. We can do it. He can't do it. 
<laughs> well, well said, Kevin. Well said. Yeah, a, yep, like yeah. a fourteen-point swing. If you think about the two turnovers, we they just tied the game. We coughed the ball up inside our own twenty on the kickoff return, and then they score again and go up fourteen-seven. And then just before the half, we were marching. I mean, that was like one of the best drives I've seen. Well, I mean, the opening drives the last two weeks have been going pretty well, but that was a really nice drive in a two-minute, but a less than two-minute in actuality type drill. And we got inside. I looked when I looked at the replay of that specific mm-hmm. play, it looked like Marcus Riley's around the seven yard line. Yeah. And I think we still had two timeouts in our pocket. Mm-hmm. So that it at worst, about 10 point turnaround between the first fumble on the kickoff and then assuming we make the field goal. And at I mean at best it would have been 10 point at worst it would have been a 14 point. We would have been within three at the half. And if we hadn't fumbled on the kickoff, you know, it could have been really tight game. So he f- emphasized that and on all three press conferences in terms of making sure we're tightening up those things that we can control in terms of the fundamentals, in terms of penalties, turnovers, and just holding on to the ball. Uh Kelvin, give you while while we're, you know, in the in the in the course of talking about these things, I give you an opportunity to to talk about uh, what impressed you from Coach Simmons. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a man. I gotta give Coach his his props, man. I was listening to his um interviews, and I thought he was very fair. He gave some coaches' speech too, now, but but he was very fair and, and, and insightful in in why he was saying the things he said. And from a X's nose and a coach's standpoint, he was about ninety nine percent accurate on all that stuff. So so I, I I thought his temperament. I know the two biggest thing people talked about was the turnovers. And uh, the uh, run game, uh, 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 commitment to it, and mm-hmm. um, and you know he's and he was right. We you talked about even on on in the press box and after the game in terms of you know they they were run blitzing every first time, right? They were determined not to let us establish a run and get us behind the chains, and they they really blitzed probably seventy percent of the time uh, on second and third down also. Um, which um, and he pointed out that usually when it's a FCS versus FBS matchup, the biggest difference between talent is usually on the line of scrimmage. Now he did say, and, and rightfully so, that we're at a point in our program now where this team is deep enough, experienced enough, talented enough that he knew and the team knew that we were capable of, of, of making that uh pulling off the upsets potentially. And just to that point, I, I point out a few, few things. The fact that we had five turnovers and over 100 yards of penalty and still had a chance to win the game in four quarters within a touchdown in the last four or five minutes tell you that from a talent standpoint, we were capable of winning that game mm-hmm. uh, and where our program is. The fact, because, you know, you, you even at our own level, when you turn, when you put them kind of numbers up, Typically, you don't win those kind of games, and typically, you ain't even in the game. So, so, and then in terms of the turnovers, and I'm, I'm gonna speak specifically to the interceptions. Oh, oh, um, oh no! Don't, don't don't lose your signal I think now. Hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kelvin. Go ahead. Let me make sure we can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, what? I, I agree that it wasn't totally. It totally, 
I don't, I don't know why I'm, I'm cycling right now, but uh, because you're giving because you yeah, everyone told me totally say yes, because you know, that's why you're gonna say so, it's not about the quarterbacks. <laughs> So, so yeah, it was, it, it was some, it was, out. God, dog. <laughs> so, so some issues with the, you know, with the receivers and so forth. Uh, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't help him out in that case. But there's, there's only one thing I will say about that. Uh, the, the, the percentage, the uh, completion percentage. I was watching the Jets game after um, um, Rogers got hurt, and they were talking about Zach Wilson. And he's pretty much a 55% completion, which is dead last in the NFL over the last two years. We still have to get our percentage up, you know, and 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 there's no way around that. And he also talked about, you know, committing and establishing the run and so forth. But uh, I, I thought he was like, like honest, fair. I think his, his, his he was spot on. And um, I, I thought overall I, our team – um, is in, in is in a great position. We'd have played the two toughest team talent wise on our schedule, so it really is his coach speed at this point. Us coming to giving three, four good days of practice every week and focusing on the game plan, not getting big head thing. We 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 the superior team, and so all we got to do is show up with Rattlers and Orange Green. We're gonna win. If we don't do those things, I fully expect for us to win by double digits the rest of the year. Frankly. Let's uh, let's take a second and hear from Coach because I had a chance to ask him specifically about the running play and, and the running game, and just were there any opportunities to possibly looking back at the film to change or maybe some things he do different? Let's let's hear from Coach Simmons himself. The USF game limited the rushing attack. What type of formations of plays could have been more effective? Um, you know, again, that's a great question. Um, you know, they played a lot of man coverage, which was not, which wasn't something they've shown a lot of in the past. Um, they they pressured a lot more, um, you know, than they have in the past, and so I think a lot of it is just us identifying uh, the different fronts they were throwing at us and the different pressures. And it's very difficult to run the ball when a team loads the box and pressures you on every play, and so. You know, what runs we, we have runs that could have been more effective, possibly, uh, with a little bit more communication, uh, a little bit more decisiveness by the by the running backs. Um, you know, but again, their their game plan was to try their best to make us one dimensional. And the the best way to do that is to just play man coverage, you know, and, and just really get in the face of our receivers, load the box with, with with bodies and create more people than we can block. You know, and, and that's what they committed themselves to doing. So, you know, we we took what they gave us. They gave us one-on-one matchups outside, and we were able to throw for 370-plus yards. And so, again, that's that's a roll of the dice. And with that game plan, if, if we don't turn the ball over, I think the game plan backfires. I think we throw for a lot more yards. I think it forces them to make some decisions, and we're able to control the game the way we want to. But when you turn the ball over – it really makes that game plan easier because now we're forced to throw it more because we're behind and they're a little bit more, you know, we're more one dimensional. And so I, I, I think they had a plan, but I think our self-inflicting wounds really assisted them in that plan. Uh, and I think that had more of an impact on us not being able to run the ball than 
what they did defensively, you know, because, again, if another team tries that game plan, we protect the ball, I, I think that game plan backfires. <coughs> um, we're going to have a, a new new drinking game. Anytime somebody says self-inflicted wounds, uh, take a shot. <laughs> that, that's just where we're going these days. You know, it's like if you hear it, whoever, whether it comes from, from us or anybody – Anybody with a FAMU, anybody representing FAMU, just self-inflicted. Ah, doggone it. Shot. Take a shot to the head. That's all right. Um, all right. Let's kind of just go through quickly some of the game notes just to recap some of those notes here, of course. Uh, FAMU out. Uh, yes, I, I agree 100% there, Steve. That's the new shirt, quietly. That's the new shirt, Steve. Be looking for those for homecoming. We're going to look for some new shirts for homecoming there. Uh FAMU outgained South Florida 393 to 360, including 374 to 234 in the air. Um, FAMU was just four of 11 on third down. South Florida was eight of 19. Uh, individually, well, let me go through some more team stuff. FAMU went one of two on fourth down, converting on uh, obviously 50%. Uh, FAMU racked up 13 tackles for loss and had six sacks. Uh, FAMU you won the awesome. time of possession. Yeah, we won the time of possession, thirty-one forty-seven to twenty-eight thirteen. Uh, some individual outstanding performances. You had Nicholas Dixon uh, had a uh, six passes and a career high ninety-eight yards. Almost didn't seem like Nick had that many yards, right? Did it? Did it? That was kind of a surprise. It was, it was a quiet ninety-eight yards. If, if I guess, if you could have such a a day. Um, then we had uh, the Rattlers had three players with more than eight tackles, led by, of course, Anthony Dunn Jr., who had 12 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and half of a sack. Isaiah Major recorded 11 tackles, uh, three tackles for loss, and two sacks. And then, of course, Johnny Cheney Jr recorded two tackles, or excuse me, 10 tackles, two tackles for loss, and one sack. Uh, I hate to say it, also a, a couple of uh, a, a poorly timed penalties as well. Uh, I hate to hate to say that, but but they, they are what they are. They were, they were, in, they were bad, bad timing for a couple of those penalties. Um, so all in all, of course, that was the outcome. Of course, you know, Isaiah's performance earned him uh, player of the week, defensive player of the week in the in the SWAC. Um, and so congratulations to Isaiah, who was uh, listed as a defensive player of the week, along with a pair of guys from Alabama A&M and uh, a newcomer of the week from UAPB. Uh, anything you guys want to add there regarding what? Performances? What? No, you know UAPB. I had to, you know. Oh God! There you you go. don't believe in them, but yeah, 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 yeah. But no, no um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Ted because I think they're on the picks this this week, right? Oh, we will. Yes, yes. I I purposely okay. All right. Picks. Yeah, we will. Okay. We, all right. 
we will definitely talk about that. All right, um, let's quickly go through roll call here. It's uh, it's been a minute, so let's kind of go through roll call. First up, the family jumps in there. Kenneth Rose, you got to say what's up to you. Um, what's up, Ken? Hey, bull, bull. Hey, uh, hey, man, sorry we missed you at the tailgate. Had a few car issues uh, in terms of getting there. Just some unfortunate things, but by all accounts, it looked great. And there was even a lot of money that was raised. So congrats to the Tampa Bay Rattlers, um, you know, uh, Mr. Kinsey and all those folks, uh, Mike Reed and and uh, James Green, all those folks, you, Bull, everybody who who brought in, I think over 20000 was raised over. I saw Will Packer even rolled through and made a – made a stop so uh congrats to uh i think i I think i saw something uh, that updated revised that was about 40 45k total wow wow okay uh now i don't don't know if that included uh kenya's fundraiser too in that number the world you know they they raised what about three three thousand plus for uh i think that was for and she'll she'll post if i'm wrong but i thought that was for like chili travel or something Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Tamara T, good to see you. Hello. Good evening. Uh, Mary 305. Hello. Good to see you. Uh, Melissa Wilson, checking in. Duh. Checking in. Good to see you. Uh, Coach Farasi, thanks for checking in. Good to see you. Uh, my dog, Double OC, checking in. Good to see you, brother. Good Duh. You, mm-hmm. Chuck Hutt, checking in from Monroe, Louisiana. Uh, Monroe, Chuck, I'd be interested to find out how 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 bent is the state of Louisiana right now with Grambling and Southern. Mm. It's got to be bent Ofer. out that way. Over, and they may be over for a while. Ooh, ooh, watch out now! Watch out! We'll talk about that towards the end of the it. It is what it is. I say what I said. You <laughs> said what you said, James Austin. Good to have you in there, uh, Jimmy Mack. Top of the evening to you as well. Uh, Jermaine Ellis coming in. What up, Rattlers? Uh, Mr. Campbell, yes, indeed. Yes, we believe. Exactly. A lot of folks are doubting. We don't, mm. They don't know. No, no, no. No, he's making fun of his people. Oh, oh, they I don't got know. You. That was JSU. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Love uh, it. Sweet, welcome. Thanks for jump checking What's up, in. Sweet? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mac Webb checking in. Good to have you in there. Uh, I saw Kenya in there. Edwin Moore checking in. Good to have you as always. Uh, Montre Bennett coming in. What's up, Montre? Ashton. All right, Ashton. Good to have Ashton. you. Ashton. What's up? Yeah, yeah. Good to have everybody. Um. Let's see. Any more? Any money? Any more new shoutouts? Looking, 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 looking real quick as I scroll through. Uh, I think I saw somebody in there. Uh, Did you give start- a Marcus and Marcus and Mike and Mike Mike Reed? Let me see. I mentioned Mike Reed. I meant. Oh, there's Marcus. There you go, Marcus. Good to see you. Yep, I already gave a shout out to. Uh, I saw Mike Reed jump in there. Definitely. Um, yeah, Kenya with an update here. Yes, $3,000 for cheerleaders to travel to the game. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm, I hate to say this. We met on our way to the stadium, and I, and I hate this, Kelvin. And I didn't, I didn't have the picture. I don't have the picture ready. 
but we met one of the uh, former members of the Marching 100. Oh, flag. yeah. Um, the uh, part of the Dirty Dozen from 1974. 74 member. And I'm sorry, I, I, the name, I didn't write it down. I thought I remember it. I would remember it. And, uh, but a, a real cool brother. Uh, we appreciate, you know, yeah. I know his wife is in grief. Uh, you know, even sometimes the pastor gives him grief for checking in on the show, a regular on Wednesday nights. So, uh, but, but we got to talking. Obviously, the band wasn't there at South Florida. And we got to talking about, you know, a, a lot of talk was about um, the money, the finances, and all this stuff about band travel. But you know what? We stopped to ask the question, did anyone ask the students? Because while we're talking about the student athlete, or a lot of conversation came up about, hey, the band just went to Houston. The band went to uh, 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 South Florida, right? Hey, well, guess what? Football team traveled too, didn't they? Football team's traveling too. Cheerleaders are traveling too. You know, that, and that was the conversation we were having about they, the, 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 the students wanted to be. And, and I, I, I'd be willing to bet a lot of the students want to be a part of this experience and playing, traveling on the road, supporting FAMU, not, not there to play for USF fans. I know a lot of people asked us, hey, did you guys bring the band? You know, it's funny, Kelvin, people asking us that we bring the band. I had to look at my pocket a couple times and say, no, nah, I had to leave them at home. But, <laughs> you know, I bet you anything the students want to be a part of this experience, being in the swack and traveling, and I, I tell me I'm wrong, or or you know show me a poll otherwise, but I know they're students too. But you know, guess what? Our football team—they're students, That's cheerleaders, right. cheerleaders, cheerleaders, students. Um, yeah. and, but it's all a part of this. Is why you joined the hundred. You join it to be a part of these game day events and and he was talking about how they would go everywhere i mean there was no place that the that if the football team went there the hundred went there when we went to the national championship game in texas the hundred found a way to be there we got to get back to that we got to find a way to get back to that and i'm not putting that on any one person per se but i don't know how we make it work but we got to find a way to make it work Yes, I agree. And, and band, when the band come to the team, uh, I mean, going to the games, uh, they they there for a team. Yeah, they're there to support our team. So, so we got we got to make that happen. Absolutely, agreed. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we we'll, we'll talk about that coming up. Hey, let's take our first break of the day. Because coming up on the other side, we're going to get into talking a little bit about our upcoming opponent with uh, with someone who's got firsthand knowledge of West Florida. And that's going to be Will Kennedy. He's the voice of the Argos. That's the uh, nickname, just in case you didn't know. Uh, so we'll talk with him about West Florida and what we can expect from this nationally ranked team that has not given up a touchdown yet. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. So we got to be on our P's and Q's. So we're looking forward to the conversation. Hang out for just a couple minutes and we'll be back right after these words. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. This is the Dean of the College of HBCU Sports, Kenyatta Caville of Dr. Caville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Come mix it up in the lab where the course lecture is in session every Tuesday from 6 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on Facebook Live, YouTube, Spreaker, or the BCSN app. As we discuss all things about the HBCU sports culture, including exploring the week that was in the sporting HBCU dashboard, as well as the upcoming week of HBCU sports. With me, the Dean, the College of HBCU Sports, on Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Course lecture dismissed. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www. SlowBurnWaco.com. All right, welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Marcus, Kelvin, it's a pleasure to be joined by Mr. Will Kennedy, who is the voice of the Argonauts with University of West Florida, Director of Communications. Will, how are you doing this evening? Doing well. How are you guys doing? Hey, man, we are great. Doing, great. doing well. Doing Thank well. You. Thank you. All right. So, uh, big-time matchup coming up here um, for uh, – it's not too many opportun- not too many times that Division II teams get a chance to play FCS is because in the Division Two level, usually there's a um, you probably play more conference games than anything. Probably an eight or an eight or nine game conference schedule. Uh, West Florida is a part of the Gulf South Conference, correct? I believe. Um, so I, why don't we kind of start with just kind of giving giving us a little background? You know how long you've been at West Florida? Obviously, you're the director of communications, but you also host the coaches show. And, and then we'll kind of get into talking about uh, this team and the expectations this team has. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have too many jobs. I'll tell you that much. I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a 
full-time professor in the communications department at the University of West Florida as well. So I teach video production and journalism and media management, a bunch of different stuff, and then run athletic communications. And I've been at the university since 2018. Uh, I was up in Charlotte, North Carolina, working in TV up there. Uh, But been around, uh, covered the SWAC for many years, Alabama A&M and Alabama State, worked up in Huntsville for about a decade at one point. And uh, so this this is an interesting, you know, situation. You just kind of mentioned it, Brian. Um, this is going to be our third game in just our seventh season against a Division One opponent. And part of that is because the Gulf South Conference, uh, it's a smaller conference than some of the other football conferences of the D2 level. In fact, you know, West Georgia from our conference just announced they are jumping up to Division One. They'll join the Atlantic Sun after this season. So, uh, if you know anybody, we're looking for new members <laughs> at the D2 level that might want to get involved. Um, so we've had to play. We played McNeese State. We played North Alabama after they had bumped up to Division One. We've, you know, we've seen this happen all across Division Two. We played uh, Texas A&M Commerce back in 21, beat them out in, in Texas, and the next day they announced they were going up to Division One. So the landscape is changing. Um, but this is only our seventh season of football. And for those that don't know, man, what a story this university has been. They, they added football um, in their, just their third season. They went to the national championship game at the D2 level, uh, won a national championship uh, in 2019, and went to the Final Four last year. So in six seasons of football, we've been to the Final Four three times and played for a title twice. And so a lot of success early. And as you can imagine, all of a sudden, D2 teams don't want to play us anymore. Uh, it's very hard for us to find games early in the season. So we, this game with Florida A&M has been one that we've been trying to set up. Both both parties have been trying to set up for a while. We came over and scrimmaged uh, in Tallahassee back in 2020 when we were, we did not have our season. We lost our season due to COVID. Didn't get a chance to defend the title the next year um, and, and enjoyed coming over there and playing against the Rattlers. So uh, that kind of sets us up. And, and here we are finally getting a chance. I know our fans are excited. I know the team is excited. And it's great because you – we don't. There's no other Division twos in Florida. You know, Florida Tech dropped football a couple of years back, and so it's we, we really don't have any natural opponents in the state of Florida. So this is the first time in a long time uh, we get to play a Florida school, and also this is the shortest trip road trip we've ever made. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Now. You, well, you're no longer just the only. Uh, Edward Waters recently. Edward Waters. Yeah. Up. Yeah. That's true. They recently moved on. So now there's there's two in the state of Florida. But but I always wonder. You know, how long will y'all be in Division Two? But anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there with that one. <laughs> oh, uh, Brian. Yeah, bro, I was gonna go there with one of my oh, well, questions. I, I, well, yeah. Well, I'll let you. Hey, I'll jump. I'll let you get there. Go ahead, Marcus. Go ahead. Since that you got it on the table. Go ahead. Well, Will, you are leveraging your expertise in marketing and communications expertly because you knocked out about two of the questions I had written down. Uh, the one about um, about the uh, the scrimmage in 2020, uh, whether you believe that gives an advantage, even though the teams have changed since then, but in terms of getting a comfort level with having played in, um, in Bragg Stadium before and having some familiarity with the coaching staff with – some minimal turnover on the FAMU side. And the other part was about a soon-to-be former uh, conference member of the University of West Georgia about their prospects and if you have any insight on whether West Florida is going to follow suit. I, let me start Let me start with that one first, with West Georgia. You know, West Georgia facilities-wise is way ahead of where we are. And, and if you've ever been up there to, to Carrollton, Georgia, I mean, they've got Division One facilities built in and that's not just football that's baseball and basketball they've really gone all out uh, they were going to jump to division one 
several seasons ago, I think as far back as 2019, Kennesaw State made the move. And then the, the, you know, the Board of Governors, the, the group in Georgia that oversees universities said, all right, that's it, nobody else, and kind of put a, a moratorium on it. They've been wanting to do this for a while. Finally, that got loosened up, so they jumped. But we get that call, uh, Marcus. We get that call like every year. And a lot of times it'll be like this, where West Georgia's going or somebody like that, and they want two schools to come. So they'll always say, hey, you guys ready? You know, you want to come with West Georgia, balance out our our schedules and our divisions or whatever. We're just not, you know, again, this is seventh season of football. We played in a baseball stadium down at the water, the Blue Wahoos, our local double right. A baseball team. We played our games in their stadium until last season, and we would have stayed down there probably longer term. We hadn't built the stadium yet and hadn't really gotten to that point, but the scheduling didn't work out. So we had to jump out to campus. So we're in the process of uh, trying to raise money to build a stadium. Um, you know, that takes time. That takes a lot of dollars. South Alabama, just down the road, you know, built a stadium, yeah. Yeah. you know, about $100 million. And uh, we, we don't have anybody stroking a check for that kind of money. Uh, so, you know, that, that kind of holds us back. But, you know, I think what we're all seeing is, you know, look at the landscape at the top of college football, you know, up at that, that highest echelons, the SEC and the Big Ten. As that morphs and changes into whatever it's going to become, one super conference or whatever, um, that filters down to every level. And, and really for us, it would make a lot more sense from a scheduling perspective, football-wise, to be Division One because then we you know potentially can play the Florida A&Ms. We can play McNeese, who we, we did play a couple of years ago, Nickel State, Southern Miss, Troy. Those schools, those are shorter trips for us, more natural, you know, regional-type rivalries along the Gulf Coast. So that would be big, but – you know, the, the thing that a lot of fans don't realize is, hey, yeah, for football, you know, could we move up? Could we, you know, at least be competitive? Probably so. Hopefully so. Then you start talking about basketball and baseball and all the other sports. And then the big word is budget. <laughs> and, you know, you almost have to double a Division II budget to compete yeah. at, the, at the Division I level. And that means yeah. like $20 million to $40 million. Where is that coming from? Because travel's bigger. All that stuff is bigger. And then to the scrimmage um, – you know, I don't know how many players from from the Rattlers are still around from that scrimmage. We we maybe have two or three, you know, that were, were around from that season. Um, our quarterback is gone. He's at Western Kentucky, and he's the, mm-hmm. the top statistical quarterback in Division One now. Austin Reed. He had a great day that day, and I know if there's any uh, Florida A and M DBs, they're probably like, "Whoo, that guy's not coming back here. I have to see him again." Um, so you know, I, I don't know how much <laughs> that, that holds over. From the scrimmage part. And then the, the thing that's changed, you know, for you guys too, like for everybody is the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we got a ton, yeah. we got a bunch of kids yeah. who have played in big stadiums. They've played at D1 programs. They've been in front of big crowds. It's not going to be as much of a culture shock for them to walk in, you know, to this situation. But I, I did tell a couple guys on the team, I said, if, you, if you're not familiar with, you know, SWAC games and playing in the SWAC, it's a different environment. You know, I've done Magic City Classics. I've done all kinds of other games. I mean, it's it's a different vibe when you walk into that stadium, and it take it takes a minute to get used to that as a player, for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Go ahead, go ahead, Kelvin. So you all started the uh, season highly ranked, and um, you you're two and zero. Your first two opponents, um, you know, you got a new coach. Even though he's been, he was at your program previously before he went to Clemson, and um, you know I noticed one of your coordinators that has coached in the SWAC, been a been a been a head coach, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, kind of talk about you, you, this year's team, 
um, you know, you, you know, how, how, how the first two games are gone and, um, and, and just, you know, your takeaways of success for, from the West Florida standpoint on Saturday, what, what needs to happen? Yeah. You know, new coach, uh, Caleb Nobles who comes in, I mean, and I hate, you know, I hate to say this, but he's a kid. I mean, he's 29 years old. I mean, he's, when he came in and we were introducing him, I, you know, somebody asked him how old he was. And he said, I thought, man, he's young enough to be my son, which is uh, a little scary. Makes me feel older than, too. than, all, than all the injuries <laughs> and all that stuff, too. Um, but he yeah, he knows the program and he knows, you know, even in the short history of the program, what makes it tick. And, you know, so he's got a good relationship with boosters. Was able to teach the coach you mentioned, Coach Ron Dickerson, Jr., was able to keep Ron on the staff our offensive line coach who had been here for many years, but then brings in some, some really good, young, energetic coaches, including a new defensive coordinator, a guy named Cavell Connor, who played at Clemson, played in the, in the NFL for seven or eight years, has a different mentality. So there's, there's a different energy, which is good. Um, we've got 50-plus new guys on the roster from last season, transfer portal and, and high school kids. Uh, so some good returning talent, but that's a big turnover. So the first two weeks has kind of been – you know, the fall campus, like, let's get these new guys in because a lot of them came in during the summer. They weren't, they weren't here for spring from the portal. Um, and so we had to get them, you know, custom to the program and work them in and build that depth chart. The first two games to me almost have felt like preseason-y games in a way just because you're, you're still figuring out what your rotation is across the defensive line, for example, or, you know, your running backs and receivers. Um, this team's got talent, though. I mean, you got a lot of guys that have played – some, some big-time football at other places. I mean, not just transfers who weren't playing, but guys who come in here and have, have played, you know, played at some places. Um, the biggest thing, you know, in, in football at any level is the quarterback is back, you know, for us. And uh, Byron Pee Wee Jarrett, but great nickname because he's 6'4", 250. <laughs> he's, not, he's not a small man at all. Uh, he was a JUCO American. He's, <laughs> he's out of Iowa and had a great year last year. Uh, but what's crazy is, you know, he, he throws for 30-something touchdowns and less than 10 picks and runs for 800 yards and another, you know, 10 touchdowns or whatever. So, you know, you look at that and be like, hey, the dude accounted for 40-something touchdowns and almost 4,000 yards of offense. And people were like, yeah, but he wasn't Austin Reed. Hey, he has a tough act to follow, you know, when the previous guy led you to a title. Um, but Pee Wee's back. And really, I think Coach Nobles, who was a quarterback, played the position at Valdosta and was our first quarterback. And then has worked with, you know, the quarterbacks at Clemson, Trevor Lawrence and other guys. He's he's made Pee Wee better. I mean, I've watched it during, you know, during the summer when they were just working out and into fall camp. Uh, Pee Wee missed the spring because he had surgery after we had lost to Ferris State in the semifinals. So it kind of all starts there. You know, he's a quality guy, great kid, got some great receivers uh, around him. I think that receiver room for Coach Dickerson goes like 15 guys deep. So there's some guys that can play. I'll give you guys a, a name to look out for. He wears zero, and his name is, is John Giles, transferred to us from Virginia Union. Uh, led the nation in block kicks last year. Okay, yeah, uh, he's, he's 6'4", about 225, and a receiver. Giles is a he's, he's a freak. I mean, he's he is a different kind of guy that we, than we've had before at receiver. And we had a guy last, from last year who's with the Cowboys now. Um, you know, Giles just – he hurdled a dude in the first game. A six-foot DB just went over over his head and hurled him. And then last week, he just trucked a kid up the sideline, you know. Now, different different <laughs> opposition with, with Florida a for sure. But, you know, I think offensively, a little bit different philosophy. We, we threw a lot of deep balls the last couple of years. A little bit more, you know, spread it around, work quick. Um, and then the defense, 
just a different look. We went from a three, four to a four, three. We we've got guys, types of guys that I haven't seen before. You know, your, your rush ins that are taller and more athletic and um, still, still a work in progress though. So I, I think for us coming over and a lot of fans may not realize this at the D two level, we don't get any credit for this game. It's crazy. Like we beat McNeese in 21 and it actually hurt us right. when playoff time came rolling around. Valdosta got the number one seed after we had just beat Valdosta and scored 69 points on them. And, and we were all like, wait a second, we got the same record. We just beat, you know, beat you to death. And it turned out it was because of McNeese game, almost like it was never played. So, you know, and I know for, you know, for Florida A&M having been on the other end of this before, yeah. um, you know, it's kind of a no-win situation. It's tough as the D1 opponent because you're supposed to win. And if you don't, you know, then – or if it's too close or, you know, whatever the case may be. And I know you guys went and played South yep. Florida last week. Same, it's almost the same kind of deal, except now you know, we're, we're in your shoes. Yeah. All right. Hey, yeah. um, go ahead. Did you have another question in there, Kelvin? I know you – make sure your audio is – No, no. Okay. Go ahead. Hey. Uh, so Will, I, I I was curious. I know you mentioned uh, uh, Pee Wee Jarrett, and uh, by, by the way, two of the best names going in this contest. When West Florida is on offense and FAMU's on defense, you've got Pee Wee Jarrett and Gentle Hunt. I mean, really, if if, if the TV broadcasters don't have a field day with the names, I I I, I can't help them. You you can't. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna add another. One. I'll add another one for you. We got a receiver out of out of Pine Forest High School here in Pensacola, Mystical McGee. So get ready for that one. Yeah. Well, see, look, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if it, I don't know if this is the Charlie Neal game on HBCU Go, but I mean, I, I it is. Have, oh well, look, Charlie Neal's got to have a field day with these names. <laughs> so I, I noticed um, the, the, that West Florida is not. You guys aren't shy about going deep. Uh, I, I watched the highlights on the coaches' shows. Uh, uh, you're not scared to put the ball up. Um, and so it kind of brings me to this thought of you've obviously you've seen, um, you know, with your time in the SWAC, you've seen the FCS level. Um, and now you're looking at division two. How would you, what's the difference um, when you look at D2 versus FCS? Because we heard coach Simmons talk about the difference in FBS and FCS really be, the offensive defensive lines. What what's your take? Is it something similar here w- with this contest, or or you see something else? That's exactly Brian. What what I would say is it's it's across the line. It's the size, the depth, you know, um, across both offensive and defensive lines. And, and you know, even sometimes if it's not just total physical size, it's just a little bit that little bit better player, that little bit more advanced player. Little, you know, a little more athletic in a lot of cases. But I mean, listen, we we were trying to find a couple offensive line guys, for example, in the summertime in the portal. I mean, if you were a lineman, offensive lineman, and you were in the portal, I mean, they were snapping you up much higher than you probably legitimately could have played. We lost our starting center um, to Coastal Carolina, and he's not even starting. He's he's a backup guard. I mean, if he's staying with us, he's playing every down. I mean, but that's that's what was happening. His kids were able to jump. We you know we lost. We lost our nose guard, a kid. Again, if he would have been here, it would get even better. Puda, Puda Walker, big Puda Walker. He went to Kennesaw State, and he's starting for them. Uh, another local kid out of the Pensacola, one of the Pensacola high schools. And um, you know, so you, if you were those big line guys, you got a chance to jump. And I saw guys move, you know, that were marginal players 
from some of the other D2 schools up to, to Penn State's and Wisconsin's and places like that on the offensive line. So that to me, that's the big thing. The skill positions, a lot of times, you know, you, you're going to have pretty good talent at any level. And I think, you know, the Austin Reed story goes to show you that, you know, a kid, this happens a lot, right? A kid gets overlooked coming out of high school. Austin Reed, for example, is a great, you know, he only started his senior year down in St. Augustine in high school. So he didn't get to be a five-star recruit from the eighth grade on, you know, that type of thing. So he kind of got overlooked. He, he, Southern Illinois is where he went initially and like the cold and the snow and whatever up there. So he transferred to us. You know, now he's at Western Kentucky and he's, he's going to get drafted maybe in the second round in the NFL. This is a kid, you know, while he's playing for us, Florida, Florida state, you know, they're starving for a quarterback. And this is probably a kid that, you know, could have could have helped any one of those big time programs in the state of Florida. But he slipped out of the state just because he didn't come with that recruiting pedigree. And I've seen that, you know, at our level. I've definitely seen that, you know, through my years covering the SWAC. In fact, Cavell Connor, the guy I mentioned, our defensive coordinator, we were just talking about teammates that he played with. I said, you know, who, who's the most dynamic guy you ever played with? And he was with the Colts with Eli, uh, with uh, Peyton Manning. Right. And he, he mentioned Robert Mathis. And I got to know Mathis well when he was at Alabama a and I mean, this is a kid who was 5'11", you know, 220, playing linebacker for Alabama a and and he was fantastic. He plays defensive end in the NFL for a decade plus and is a Hall of Fame type guy. And nobody, you know, at, at those higher levels, Alabama, Auburn, none of those schools, Tennessee gave him, gave him the opportunity. So, you, you know, you're going to see talent at, you know, both sides of this game, obviously at, at running back and receiver and the linebackers and the DBs. And uh, we had one of our DBs leave and he's actually starting for Western Kentucky. This kid will go from playing in the Gulf South conference to starting against Ohio state on Saturday uh, this week. You know I mean? It's, it's a weird college football is a weird and wacky world today, but I, I, you know, I think it, it is Brian, the, the lines of scrimmage, the offensive and defensive lines where you're going to see that big difference. And you, you guys probably saw that last week when you were, you know, taking on, South Florida. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let me add one more question in here before I throw it over to the guys real quick. Uh, so uh, Coach Shinnick, uh, who Pete Shinnick, who uh, built this program, and now you're turning it over to just your second head coach. I'm, what What is the secret in the sauce as you've watched West Florida grow? What's been the secret? Because it's, I mean, I'm, you, you look at the history, and very short, brief history, but I mean – you guys are you guys are winning at a clip that feels like a lot a lot of teams who've been around a lot longer haven't tasted the kind of success that West Florida has. What's what's been the secret in the sauce? Well, Coach Shinnick, Pete Shinnick was a master program builder. He had done the same, not with the same success level, but he built UNC Pembroke at the D two level, and he took them when he took them to the playoffs, and I think it was their third or fourth season. That was the fastest anybody had ever made the playoffs with a startup program. And then he came here. And then obviously the difference is no knock on North Carolina, you know, worked up there for several years. There's a lot more high school football talent in Florida and Alabama, you know, and, and kind of a Mississippi along this area. And so he, he steps into this job and is like, you know, it's not hard to recruit here. Um, you know, the, the, the screensaver behind me, that's the beach, <laughs> you know, that's Pensacola beach. And that's, you know, we've got, we've got to, you know, bring the kids down. We take them out to the beach to a restaurant where they're overlooking the Gulf of Mexico and bring their families in, you know, and, and, and then you add in, we're winning. Right. But he was able to, yeah. you know, capitalize on some local talent, 
be able to bring in some guys through the portal and, but then really recruit the state of Florida. And, you know, I think, I think South Florida and Central Florida, some FIU, FAU, they did this too. They all started up at one point and there's so much talent in the state of Florida that, you know, you just got to find the kid that maybe you got overlooked or maybe doesn't want to go sit and wait a year or two and bring them in. And then, I mean, obviously there's, there's some level of magic in what happened here because it just doesn't happen. You know, you don't, nobody, you don't win a national title in your fourth year playing, you know, football. That's, that's just almost unheard of, but it is. People ask me about this season. I say, you need a couple things, right? You need the talent. You're not going to win at that kind of clip without the talent, but you need to find, you know, somebody has got to walk in the door. That's going to be more than you ever expected them to be. And you need, you know, you need your guys to play to their ceiling. That's what Shinnick did a great job of. He got the most, had a good staff, got the most out of guys. They go, they go. It was actually Caleb Nobles, the, the current coach, the new coach, who found Austin Reed in the portal and brought him in and kind of was the quarterback whisperer and, and you know, got him to work. So I, I don't know if it's a blueprint that anybody else could could follow or not. And, you know, Coach Shinnick went up to Towson in Baltimore, you know, up in the in the DC Baltimore area, and um is is you know, he's got his work cut out for him there because he's not a startup program. We'll have to see if he's got the magic and it keeps it rolling at that level. By the way, Little known, I didn't realize this till he was here. His dad, Pete Shinnick's dad, Don Shinnick, still holds the record for most interceptions by a linebacker in NFL history, and it's not even close. He played with Johnny Unitas with the Colts way back in the wow. day. He has like thirty something, thirty five interceptions as a linebacker. The next closest guy's at like twenty seven. Um, so you know, football family. That's the other thing. Pete had been around it his whole life. Caleb Nobles, his dad, Buddy Nobles, was a high school coach in Florida and Georgia, right along the line there you know, did it for 30 plus years. So he's from a football family too. So that's, that's how you, you want a coach who's, who's been around it their whole life. That's, that's part of the equation. All right. All right. Uh, Marcus Kelvin, any, any uh, last questions you want to get in there for Will? I do. Go ahead. Go ahead, Kelvin. Let me, uh, okay. Well, my mind is a little bit off the, off the trail a little bit. So explain if you know how, how, you know, the Argonaut, what it is, and how how you all came up with that name? It, it's that's always been the the mascot here. Although we used like a big shell, like a big beach shell for a long time as our logo. So until we you know added football and some of the other sports you know through the years, then we when we came up and it's it's Jason and the Argonauts, Greek mythology. You know this 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 group on a boat that's kind of you know just off adventuring and finding golden fleeces and doing all this stuff, fighting monsters and all that. So, you know, and you never know, you know, it's kind of like, right. well, let's run with that and create something from it, man. Our logo has taken off. I mean, you know, we, there was a little mascot logo thing uh, two or three seasons ago. We got like all the way to the final four uh, with, we, we beat Wisconsin, the Badger in one of the rounds and stuff. And so people have liked right. it, you know, Hey, you know, you, you just, you get the people that and coach Shinnick was a marketing major. And so he had a good eye for like, let's create, you know, gear and come up with like this, this logo here and, you know, and just make stuff that looks good. So, and then his, you'll see this on some of our stuff. His, his word was arate and that that's a Greek word for like excellence. And so that's kind of branded on our stadium too. And we've kept that. So that's where it comes from. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Very unique. I love it. Yeah, and the colors work. You know, we 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 got the blue, the green, and the white, and then we, we make it look beachy if we need to. It works in there. Although yeah. I like the I like the I like your guys' color too, and I, I I've always liked the Rattler 
you know, the, the snake. And yeah. I, I went to the University of Texas, so you know, I've got, I've got Longhorns. It's been a good week for me. I cannot, I cannot <laughs> deny it. You know, we're ranked fourth in the country at UWF, and my horns are now like in the top four. And I'm like, come on, this is. It, it can only get worse from here. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, Mark, any day, hey, any day Alabama loses is a good day. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? I know a lot of a lot of people, a lot of the nation is salivating right now. Uh, hey, uh, Marcus, uh, what do yeah. you, any, any last yeah. questions? For, yeah, one quick one. Um, now, this is a, a one-game series, or is it? That's a good question. I, I know that we would we would love to to play it more often. I, I you know I don't know if it's a every year deal because I don't know that home and home works it, you know when you're talking two different levels of football uh that gets a little tricky but no i know i definitely know we would love for it to be i mean for us uh not only is it the shortest road trip for us going over we've got you know i, I did an alumni event down in tampa back in june and that's one of our bigger alumni groups and they were all excited you know for them with florida tech gone to, to get on a bus and come up to tallahassee and watch the game so we'll we'll have a bunch of people there i mean there'll be a good crowd that'll come uh, we got a big group in Atlanta of alumni too, and they'll drive down because it's it's closer than coming all the way to Pensacola. So yeah, we would love to. I don't know that we ever want to go over to Doak, but we. <laughs> we'll uh, it's harder and harder, man. Like you know, even even to get you know those money games anymore. Probably you know even for for Florida and them, it's just harder for to find those opponents and the restructuring in college football may change that. But you know. Definitely, Marcus. If if the day comes, and I don't know when that comes, that we jump up to that next, love for it to be a regular game. You know, okay. love for it to be year in and year out. Well, All right. Uh, so, so will I'll ask you the question. Um, West Florida pulls off the upset, uh, shakes up the the nation, uh, at least in our world. Um, how? How? What? What has to happen for for that to happen? I, I would say it's got to we, we've got to get off to a good start. I mean, that's, you know, that's the thing. And I, and I, I say this with any time you're the underdog in a game uh, or the smaller school, you know, you, you've got to get off to a good start. You got to try to score some points early and that puts the pressure on the home team, the favored team. Uh, and then, you know, maybe if they're playing from behind, they start pressing a little bit, you know, the pressure's on that team more they're at home. They're supposed to win. And if you can keep that game like that, the, the further it goes into that game, and we that was kind of what happened to McNeese. Man, we threw a bomb right off the start to our receiver, David Durden. He catches a big touchdown pass. I think that tells the other team, uh oh, you know, these guys, these these guys from D2 are here to play. And then you could see them. They were they were a ball control running type team, and playing from behind got tougher for them, you know. It, the more it went on, then all of a sudden Ed Ogeron's son was their quarterback, the former LSU coach, and he really wasn't a thrower. And then all of a sudden we're, we put him in a position where he had to throw the ball more than he wanted to throw the ball. And that, you know, that changes the dynamic of a game like this. And so, you know, it, it's cliche to say this kind of stuff, but you've got to, you've got to execute and you can't make mistakes in the special teams. I mean, you may turn the football over, you know, you may throw an interception, you may fumble the ball that happens in football, but you can't make, you can't give up that kick return for a touchdown. You know, you can't be, you can't miss field goals, those type of things when you're where in our shoes, trying, you know, trying to get pull off an upset on the road in that situation. And, and, you know, it's, it's tough, man. We had a 12 hour road trip and they rode a bus. <laughs> they rode the buses out to Illinois just below St. Louis last week. And, I know a lot of guys are tired. We got a couple of guys that were banged up in that game. We lost, we lost two starters coming out of that game. You know, they both had surgery this week and um, you know, you hate that week two of the season. And 
Um, and then we got to turn around after we, we come to Tallahassee and, uh, you know, you know who comes in for the first conference game, West Georgia. We'd like to give them a parting gift of, of a swift kick right in their backside you know, <laughs> as they move up to division one. So that's, you know, I think, I think Brian, that's, you know, that's what it's going to take. Get off to a good start and then try to maintain that and try to put the pressure on, on Florida and him. All right. Um, are you, are you, you doing, are you part of the, the, the play-by-play or the broadcast crew that, uh, uh, for West Florida as well. I you know I I do the play by play for for our games, and uh, I'll do I do radio on the road, and then at home we we have a the conference has a partnership with Flow Sports, which is our streaming platform. But we already had a deal in place before that with, with Cox Sports and Euroview. So we we do all the games on TV when they're at home, and then on the I get to do it's a lot easier with doing radio on the road than doing <laughs> people don't understand the TV things like a circus, and you know. I've been doing it for a long, long time. I was like, I like the radio. I, people ask me, it must be nice to be at home this week. I'm like, no, it's more work for me. Let me exactly. go on the road and, and do the exactly. easy thing. And, All right. Well, I asked because uh, I will, we'll be up there. I know Kelvin and I. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, I'll, I'll be we'll up in the press box. We'll make sure to stop by and say hello. Uh, safe travels yeah. to you and, and all of the uh, Argonauts coming over to uh, Tallahassee. And uh, looking forward to a good game. So it'll be a good test for both sides. And uh, hopefully it's not too good. Uh, you know, I hate to say that. You know, maybe <laughs> yeah, a half. You, a half. You know longer, longer than we a want half. To be hospi- nation, get, go, yeah, go you, want, you want to be hospitable host, but you don't want us to go home too happy. I know yeah, exactly. We don't want you to go home too full. You know, we get a nice meal, but we don't want you to go home too full. <laughs> I right. appreciate it, guys. Enjoyed it. All right. Thanks a lot, Will. Thank Take you. Now. Thank you. We'll see you. All right. Uh, nice job, man. Great stuff there. So yeah. that's, again, Will Kennedy from uh, – University of West Florida. Let's take a short break. Come back. I'm going to put the uh, the uh, the call in line. I'm going to put the I'm going to put it in the uh, chats. We got we got some time, maybe a segment or a half, and uh, we'll kind of give uh, Rattler Nation, you guys watching, an opportunity to uh, you know we'll hear from you a couple minutes at the most, and then we'll see uh, see how it goes. We got some more to talk about too. Got to give a quick mention and shout out to our volleyball program on the other side of the break as well. And uh, a runner, uh, one of our cross-country athletes who had a great week. So we'll talk about all that coming up on the other side right after this break. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational. Powerhouse. 
intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. Nope. Nope. Want him? Ooh, I like him. Quick, the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the quicker picker-upper. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge, featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian, Marcus, Kelvin here. Uh, hope, hopefully you guys got some good information regarding what's upcoming. West Florida, man. Oof, we've, we're we're going to talk about that here uh, coming up. But uh, I want to – during that interview, um, uh, we, we I, I, I found the photos. And more importantly, our guy checked in with us, Robert Kelly. Shout out to Robert Kelly, 1974, uh, uh, checking in with us, um, member of the Dirty Dozen and Z28. Uh, there's Robert right there with me and Kelvin. Of course, there's uh, Keith Hadley, uh, Fangs Up Podcast. Uh, we were all kind of bouncing it, chopping it up. Uh, got a chance. I think we even, we even got featured by, what, Barstool? USF or something yes. like that. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I don't know if anybody Ooh, saw. <laughs> well, you know, Marcus, they're everywhere. So yeah, they, you know, they invade everywhere. That's that's a walk up to the stadium. So great conversation with Robert. Thanks for checking in uh and reminding us. I knew the name. See, Robert Kelly, I knew, like, again, I told you the name was easy to remember. But sadly, I didn't write it down. You know, I, that's, it, it, it should have been easy enough. So, uh, how, how you gonna forget R. Kelly? I, uh, well, aren't I supposed to? You know, you know, I didn't want to get canceled. You for playing a song, and all of a sudden, people are like you can't believe you played that song. But anyway, see, now if you had said that, I would have remembered it. There's no way I got it. If you would have had me thinking like that, I would have. I would have associated. Well, I would have remembered. Let me just say, I would have remembered it. So I, I bet Robert. I, I get. To, I bet you get those jokes a lot. Um, so there's our view from the press box. Uh, it was a crowd of about thirty six thousand. Ended up. This was like pregame. So don't don't judge the the empty seats like there wasn't a good crowd. It was a great crowd there for this game. Uh, about thirty six thousand. And uh, yeah, what's interesting is that that new stadium that South Florida is going to be building. It'll well, they're talking about it making it about forty thousand. So, 
it would fill just about every every inch of that thing. Um, all right, let's uh, let's give a mention here to uh, our volleyball team here before we we get too deep here in the woods. Um, Marcus, uh, what do we uh, or or Kelvin? What do you guys want to want to go through the rundown there from uh, from the volleyball weekend? Yes, uh, Family Volleyball. We hosted a tournament this past weekend, September seventh through the tenth, in the Family Invitational, presented by Sonny's Barbecue, and we picked up our first win on Thursday evening in a three-two decision over South Alabama, who was previously undefeated. We also experienced a 0-3 losses to Stetson and Georgia Tech during the course of the weekend. Now, as far as game notes, uh, Brooklyn Watts registered a double-double with a match-high 22 kills with 16 digs. Famu also received a match-high 26 digs from Brooke Hudson and Famu attacker Camilla De La Rosa had a 28, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, a team-high 38 assists. Yeah, I, I think that is now uh, – we are now 2-2 two and two in five-set uh, games, if I'm saying that right. Five-game sets, or I might be saying the terminology wrong. But but anyway, if, if it goes five, we're kind of sitting at 2-2 two and two right now. Obviously, our record is, what, 2-7. and seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, So that's uh, nine games. So half of, almost half of our games have gone five. Uh, five games, and then uh, we've taken a couple to four. Um, I thought it was impressive that game that we lost to Stetson, that which was game number two, that even though we dropped that 3-0 to Stetson, the scores in those games, mm-hmm. 25-22, 29-27, 25-23. And so this team continues to be right on the edge of knocking off these teams. I mean, these are, and I don't know when you get to that point, fellas, of saying, um, hey, we should be winning these games. I, I don't know how you get to that point in the preseason or in the non-conference schedule, but I, I just like the fact that competitive in these our upcoming opponents in this tournament we're going to up at Charleston they haven't won a. They haven't won a game. I mean, like everything's been o three. They they've lost every game, three up, three down. So, so I appreciate, you know, as much as they can say it. When we lose one three or lose a game like this, where it's competitive. I I appreciate the effort and how, and I, and I just hope that it yields the kind of results that. We think and we have do something in two years. Am I making sense of that? Mm-hmm. But also, you have to couple it with what Coach Gokhan shared with us in the preseason in that they barely get a preseason to gel. Yeah. And we have eight or nine new players, including, I think, four to five true freshmen, and I believe at least three, maybe four transfers. And so, these first few games, and he, he schedules tough regionally. And we had Georgia Tech who come in, who was the number 11 ranked 
team in all the nation coming in at, after just having upsets over Ohio State and Penn State, who are typically powerhouses. So before we get into conference play, we're trying to meld a different players, see which rotations work their best. And in the preseason, he did say that Camilla De La Rosa hadn't come in yet. So I don't know. This is my first time. I hadn't checked the stats, but this is my first time seeing her highlighted or listed. So I don't know if this happened to be her first weekend of playing for the team after, you know, whatever, whatever challenges she had in, in joining the team. So we're going, still going through a, a process of finding out who we are in the best rotation and being extremely competitive while doing so. And we played UAB in their tournament and lost in a five set, or I think that was the first one we lost of the year where we could have beat them. Yeah. There's another one that we lost that was very close as well. And it was just like a, a you know, a ball here, a ball there. We could be closer to 500. Mm -hmm. No, good point. Um, Kelvin, anything you want to add there? Do we, do we got? Oh, no. no. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, let, also, let's make mention here players of the week, uh, three of the four. This is the third consecutive week. The season's only about three weeks old, so this is the third consecutive week that a Rattler or Rattlers have been featured as uh, with SWAC Weekly Honors. This week, we almost sweep uh, as uh, Brooklyn Watts was the Offensive Player of the Week. She had double-digit kills in two of the three matches. Uh, she recorded a double-double on a team-high 22 kills and 16 digs versus South Alabama and 14 kills and eight digs against Stetson. Brooke Hudson, uh, I should go back and say that's the second time in the last three weeks that Brooke has been the offensive player of the week. Uh, Brooke Hudson, the defensive player of the week for the second time in three weeks. Uh, she recorded 20-plus digs in back-to-back -back matches. Uh, 26 versus South Alabama ranks third most in the SWAC this year. And then she had 24 versus Stetson, the most recorded in a three-set match. Hudson, Hudson also averaged or added 13 digs and two service aces against Georgia Tech. And then De La Rosa, the setter of the week, contributed 30 assists versus uh, South Alabama and Stetson. Uh, the 38 versus South Alabama is the fifth most in the SWAC this season. And the 31 versus Stetson is the most recorded in a three-set match. So congratulations to Brooke Lynn Watts, Brooke Hudson, and uh, Camila De La Rosa. And uh, the Lady, Lady Rattlers just continue to, continue to do the thing, right? Um, this upcoming weekend, they are traveling to... Uh, Charleston Southern for the Buccaneer Invitation. On Friday, they'll take on the Citadel at 10 a.m. Uh, now, we've already played the Citadel once before. Uh, we lost to them in a five-game uh, set. So that was one of those uh, one of those four or five gamers. Uh, we came up short on that one, so uh, we'll, we'll hopefully get a chance at, at winning this one. Then they take on the host Charleston Southern team Friday evening at 7 p.m. 
Then on Saturday, the Saturday morning at 10 a.m., they take on South Carolina State. And South Carolina State enters the tournament winless, and they have not won a game versus an opponent this season. So uh, I feel pretty good that FAMU will get at least one. Might even get payback and get two. Um, be great if we get a sweep. Just a thought. Just a thought, right? All right. Uh, so that's the volleyball action. Um, all right. One other player of or, or athlete to take on some big honors, and that is freshman Sierra Barrera, uh, who earned medalist honors in her first collegiate meet over the past weekend at the TCC Open, uh, where out of the 31 participants in the in the women's division, the 5K, uh, Barrera finished third. Uh, Fam, you placed second overall in the team standings. Uh, Barrera finished third. We also had uh, Anaya Coleman, or not Anaya, but Naya is her name, Naya Coleman. She finished fourth. Uh, actually, she finished fourth, probably about maybe five seconds behind Sierra. And then uh, Serenity Williams finished sixth. Uh, Jillian Salmon, Salmon finished seventh. Um, and then uh, one other young lady, Lacey uh, Dabosky, finished tenth. Uh, so uh, shout out to uh, Sierra Barrera. She was the SWAC runner of the week. Uh, congratulations to to that young lady. What other news and notes before we come back to football are there, guys? Marcus, you dropped a little nugget there regarding uh, – well, hold on. Uh, well, go ahead. Marcus, you want to drop that? You you dropped a nugget there, so I want to go ahead and, and broadcast that because I saw somebody mention it. Uh, Jimmy Mack mentioned it on the uh, in the chat, so we might as well go ahead and bring it up. Oh, the men's basketball schedule? Yep. Yep. The graphic came out literally maybe 10 minutes before show start. So hot off the presses. Hot off the presses. Breaking news. Breaking news. So we have our official schedule. You know, nothing changes. So, you know, we now we can kind of we're piecing some things together by other from other resources that were tweeting out schedules for some of the not non-conference games we were playing and now we have it comprehensive just for our team so it looks like we have a good set of good 10 games uh before i'm sorry 11 games before christmas break or before new year's and then after we come back we jump into our swag schedule starting off with bethune cookman again and then ending the season with bethune cookman are the students back when we go in the car are the students back yet god bless you Come on, the SWAC has got to do better with this. The students yeah. aren't back on campus yet. Where, All right. I, anyway, go ahead. Man, get me started with this mess. <laughs> Jesus. So it looks like, well, the big game, I guess, in the outer conference is having Oregon come on November 20th. And I don't know what the calendar looks like this year. I don't know if that's Thanksgiving week or the week before. It feels like, uh, is that the? That's, that's the Monday. That's the Monday after the Florida Classic. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. 
Interesting. That's Thanksgiving week then. So that's the week heading into Thanksgiving. Yeah, sounds like it. Yes. So looks like we've got three home slate games out of conference. Oregon coming, which hopefully will be a big deal. We'll get some good turnout. We got to make that a big – we got to – we got to – we got to – we got to pull – I mean, we got a 10,000-seat arena. I mean, we got we got to bring in five to six. I'm just asking for half. I'm asking for half the stadium. I'm not going to be stupid and ask for seven, eight, or a sellout. Can we get five? Tallahassee Rattlers, yeah. can we get five? I mean, Tallahassee community, can we get five? Go ahead. I'm sorry, Marcus. Continue. Uh, we got three home games. We got Oregon, Albany State, and uh, is that Des Moines? Yeah, Owens, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, the magicians. That used to be, uh, who was the head coach? Uh, NBA player uh, Bonzi Wells used to be the head coach of Lemoyne Owen. Okay, so those are our three home slate, and everything else we're we're road Division dogs. Two teams. Division two teams, which uh, they don't they don't count on our schedule, or I think uh, I think they're qualified as exhibition games. Mm-hmm. No, no, they regular they. They if they when they played in the regular season, they regular season games, they do count. Just like West Florida counts in football. Now we've played them in the exhibition games prior to the regular season starting, but once the season starts, which is uh which is like the first sometime the first of November, I forget what date, but once the regular season starts, everything you play is a is a is a regular season game. It counts. But I, I thought against the RPI or the uh, the the uh, what is the metric that they use the net rating I, I thought they don't count these Division two games. What did I just say? Okay, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong. You're right. Go ahead. If, okay. We'll be if we win those games, it's a W. If we lose those games, there's an L. All right. <laughs> I anyway. Go ahead. I'm not a fan of. Okay, go ahead, Marcus. Continue, please. I'm sorry. So, looking at the schedule, the first four games. I mean, Creighton. I think they're typically in the NCAA tournament and yep. pretty good. Yep. And then it's Nebraska. Yeah, I don't know. But then you got the Gators, and then yeah. Oregon. Three of those first four games are teams that typically make the cut in the in the 68. I yep. don't. I don't know about Nebraska. They might make the NIT, but I know they're not known as a power, but they are. A larger school. So those first four games, we're going to be aching to get back home on the 20th because the first three, I mean, we go from Nebraska, then to Gainesville. So at least we're back in state and then back home for Oregon. And I haven't looked at any preseason rankings. I don't know if they have any out yet. So I don't know where these teams are falling in terms of the preseason rank. But Oregon's typically I top I'll be 35. Honest, the, the the only one who might be ranked is Creighton. I I don't Florida. I don't think Florida will be top twenty five. They may work themselves into it later, but I don't think preseason they'll be top twenty five. Um, Iowa might be. There's two teams who might. If I had to guess, I would go Creighton and Iowa might be preseason top twenty five. Uh, Creighton, you said you say Creighton. Creighton, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and I do think what I like about the non-conference is that you've got one, two, three, four, five games in the state of Florida. So, you know, I, I would hope that Rattler Nation would show up for the game against UF, uh, and then I hope 
the Central Florida Orlando contingent uh, will show up against USF or UCF. Uh, you know, and and then look, I mean the 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 home games are the home games. I you know I don't know. That's Thanksgiving weekend, if I'm not mistaken, November 29th. So I don't know who's going to be in Tallahassee for that game. December 9th, that might be a great opportunity uh, to, to get the fans re-engaged. But I, at the middle of the schedule, the non-conference, there's an opportunity to win three games in there in the middle. You know, the Albany State, the Presbyterian oh, College. Okay. And, yeah, <laughs> I said the middle of the schedule. Uh, I <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly in the middle of the schedule, those three games. So there's an opportunity to win three going into the SWAC uh, season. And, you know, it is what it is at that point. Uh, yeah, looking at the conference, well, I guess one quick thing, the 23rd of November is Thanksgiving. So we're paying, yeah, that is the Monday of Thanksgiving. And the other thing I was just thinking about, uh, I just lost a thought. But yeah, we got our got our work cut out for us. Looking at the schedule for the conference, uh, it looks like um, we play Grambling on MLK Day. I don't know if they've they haven't published the, or maybe it's when the holiday celebrate. We haven't published the TV schedule as of yet. But it'd be interesting oh, so to you see. Think, you think that might be one of those games that? Uh... Well, the, the SWAC naturally plays on Martin Luther King Day anyway because the SWAC usually plays a, uh, what, Saturday-Monday schedule? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so MLK Day is going to be on, you know. The 15th. I, I, yeah, so I, I would be – where and where is that game at? At Grambling or – Oh, no. We have a home slate. We're playing Southern on Saturday and yeah. Grambling on that Monday. I, I mean, I, I can't see them, you know – if you're pre-planning, hey, what games are we going to air from the SWAC? I, you know, unless unless AD Sykes has got a got somebody on the phone with uh, the NBA TV, I don't know how we're going to get featured when we look at our schedule over our record over the last couple seasons. I, I you know, would, would would you run that risk? I mean, maybe we we were featured, weren't we on uh, the NBA TV a couple years ago though? Yeah, two years ago, um, we, okay. you know, we were we were competitive. Uh, last year, we fell off. Okay, but we were, okay. we were competitive in swag two years ago. Okay, I hey, you never know. I mean, good good weekend. You know, we just got hey, back. I would advise if you want people at the game to make sure you get with the the, the band staff and um, try to make sure that the band be at those uh, games early. Because typically they don't show up till uh, after the um, they return from Christmas break. Hey, and 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 guess what? If the marching hundred can't be there, how about we how about we call up uh, FAMU DRS? How about we call up the 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 pep band over at the at the local high school, or or maybe Rickards or another local high school band? I mean, let let's let's be creative. Let's think out the box and find a way to be engaging with the local community. And if our hundred can't be there because obviously they're students and they, they're not in town. Okay. No, no sweat. Let's find, let's find a way. Let's find a way to bring in. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, uh, mo most of the high schools here have uh, 
FAMU alumni as band directors right now. I think three or four, four of them I know do. Exactly, exactly. So that 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 suggestion tip, uh, courtesy of the ONG. Um, any, any any other any other nuggets you guys want to add here? Nope. nope. Let's talk some football. Hey, let's talk ball. How about before we before we come back to uh, the the, uh, the the how about we got to talk about this guy? Got to talk about that. We got to talk about what this guy just did. Oh, um, yeah. Yo, Marquise Bell was that dude. Um, I didn't stay up to watch the game because I, I tell you what. After I finished the show with Drew on Sunday night, I got it on, and literally, I, I swear I looked over, and I was like, is it 21 to nothing already? I'm like, God, dog, the game just started, and the Cowboys, I cut it off by halftime. I realized when it was whatever to zero at the half, I was like, this isn't competitive. And, you know, <laughs> my, my Saquon Barkley uh, – Fantasy numbers were going down the toilet quickly. I I got out. I got out of watching that game. But Marquise had eight total tackles. Six of them were solo, two assists, one forced fumble, uh, which that hit. The forced fumble hit. My God, if that wasn't one of the plays, the defensive plays of week one, I don't know if they've even done that come out yet. That was woo, nice. Uh, and then he had a stuff play for minus eight yards. Uh, I thought I had the video pulled up, but I didn't download it, so whatever. But uh, man, how nice was it to see Marquise have a have a day to open the season? Marquise, uh, you you know, usually they say in the NFL you don't lose your job because of injury. Well, he just lost his job. <laughs> who who whose job did he take? Whose job did he? Who got hurt? Oh, 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 Ocean, I think the guy's last name is Ocean or something like that. Mm-hmm. His job is nope. his job is gone. It's a wrap. Nobody remembers. Nobody remembers. It's it's done. Yeah, it's over, over and over and done is what that dude's uh starting job is gone. Uh any thoughts on uh so Marquis switched from 41 to 14. Is that correct? He did that. Yep. Still adds up to five. So I you know what? You're, you're boom. I'm thinking the same thing, Marcus. I was thinking the same thing. I I I think like that one like that. So see, Marcus, you and I, we need some patico sometimes with these numbers things. So I was thinking the same thing. Four and one each equals five. So. And he's been getting a lot of rape. Now I did not check on Brian Baldinger, but I've seen a lot of retweets. I guess we have a lot of family fans who are also cowboy fans of some of the yeah. accolades and cut-ups of his performance from Sunday night. And it's it's a Sunday night game. So it was like everybody got a chance to see. And I think even somebody posted a clip of Skip Bayless talking about it. You know, Skip is a cowboy homer. And he worked for the Dallas Morning News for decades. But he was giving props to Marquise in the clip that I saw. So, you know, just things are looking up. Yeah. 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 You just keep it, keep it up. They're going to have to pay him after this season, buddy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good, good for him. And I think they, I, or I thought I heard Tariko call him a linebacker, uh, even though they moved into a linebacker position. Yeah, they, yes, they did hybrid. Right the hybrid. Yeah, right before the start of the season, yeah. Dan Quinn moved into a hybrid safety linebacker type role. Man, that 
Well, I tell you what, that Cowboys defense is going to be special. Uh, good it to see is. a rattler. Good to see a rattler uh, be a part of it. Uh, definitely. Um, all right, yeah, definitely. You guys get those uh, likes up wherever you are. If you're in the chats, if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook, hit the get the thumbs up. Go in here, get the get the likes up. Um, can I? Can I? Before we go to a quick break, I got to show Kelvin's play. Kelvin was it, now in the press box, Marcus. From about the second quarter on, Kelvin was screaming. Look, between Keith screaming about how inaccurate the USF quarterback was. Oh, my God. And Kelvin calling for a wheel route for about a good two quarters was the funniest thing that you might have heard up in the press box coming from two individuals. Okay. That's, that's all what I got cheer in the press box. Uh, well, look, hey, so much. <laughs> there, was, there was nobody in the press box. I mean, <laughs> hey. They 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 had they side we had our side. Yes, they 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 purposely partitioned us over and said if there's if them guys want to talk and be loud, let them go ahead. We put them all over there, so there was like four or five of us all sitting there. Uh, and then yeah, around the corner you had the USF contingent of folks, but uh, so yeah, there, there, there's no cheering in the press box. I mean. If we had pulled an upset, you you might have heard oh, a lot yeah. of cheering going oh, yeah. on. Uh, so yes, it, it was pretty eventful. But uh, yeah, we gotta give we gotta give some shots. Kelvin's Kelvin's play of the day was this nice little wheel route from Musa to Kelvin Dean. Uh, that was sort of the uh, the on the field view uh, that fam you ran. Uh, Kelvin, you care to care to gloat? Care to comment? Uh, on that on that play again. Why were you so no, adamant? No, no. Let let people know why were you so adamant for it? Because they couldn't defend it. You know, when you call plays, you're trying to call plays that you know attack a certain area of the field if you're an offensive coordinator. And so the way they were playing, they were playing two high safeties on a hash, and then their linebacker was pretty much walking up to the line of scrimmage, and they were showing, you know, six, seven, sometimes eight men front. So that means there were man on the outside. So when the receiver ran ran the route and they they and they run into the uh, to the to the hash, then that occupies the safety as well as that cornerback. So when that back come out the backfield on the wheel route, that that leaves a defensive end or a linebacker coming from the line of scrimmage, trying to catch a running back with a head start and more foot speed. And that's exactly what happened on that play. I believe the guy who was trying to run with Kevin Dean at that point was a defensive end. And, of course, that was a mismatch. Uh, I wish we had uh, tried that play, uh, you know, multiple times because I think it would have been successful every time, to be honest. Mm -hmm. You're probably right. That was the ag productive play of the day. Uh, peep that there on uh, FAMU Twitter. All right. Um, let's do this. Let's take a short break. Come back. And uh, – Spotlight a few more things. Want to hear from Coach Simmons on this upcoming opponent. And um, also tell you a few things about Ken Riley Day. I still want to open it up. You guys you guys want me to open up the segment for a couple of – for just see if we got a couple of callers here. I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but maybe if we got a couple of Rattlers out there who want to get in some words, uh, we'll open it up. So I hear I'll – and during this break, be on the lookout for the link to join us. And uh, we'll go from there. So hang tight with us. We'll be back right after these words. 
With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is always Ultra Thins reinvented with the always triple protection system. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvée. As technology continues to bring changes to the world of education, it's time we also reimagine teacher professional development. Gone are the days of one-size-fits-all learning that can only be accessed at a specific time and place. The Stride PD Center is an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that allow educators to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. The best professional development plans are those that include a level of flexibility and choice for educators. Whether you're a teacher, school, or district, visit us today to take charge of your learning. Our team is the same. You know, it's the same message I gave them last week, the message I gave them the week before. Our goal as a football team is to achieve excellence. That's our, our, our program model is the standard is excellence. And so the way to reach excellence is to chase perfection. That has nothing to do with who you're playing. Great players, great teams, they don't look at the schedule. They look at the process of becoming a champion of becoming the best version of themselves. And so if you're playing South Florida one week and a division two the next week, uh, uh, an average team, an average person would prepare more for South Florida than they would against West Florida. They change their practice schedule to maybe have less padded days against West Florida. You know, thinking they got to be more physical versus South Florida. You know, they may be a little bit more relaxed in the weight room because of the caliber op opponent they're playing. That's what an average person would do or somebody who aspires to just be good. But someone who aspires to be great, a team that aspires to be great and chases perfection, they put the blinders on and they don't care who they play. 
the preparation is the same. And so we didn't change our game plan this one. We didn't change our practice uh, plan this week. We didn't change uh, anything about what we're doing. Our goal is to make ourselves the best version of ourselves. That's great practices. That's locked in meetings. That's making it to treatment every day. That's not missing weights. That's going to class every day. All the little things we talk about as a program, that's what we're charging these guys with doing. The standard is the standard. doesn't matter that we're playing a Division II. I don't have to remind them that Division II is a beat FCS programs. I don't have to remind them that FCS programs had beat Division I programs, FBS programs. I remind them that our standard is that we do everything it takes to be our best version of ourselves. That's it. And so that's how I keep them from playing up or playing down. I don't believe in that term. We don't get up for competition. We don't play down to our competition. We, I challenge every week, and I tell the team, there's a team that's on our schedule penciled in as an opponent. But every single week, again, our opponent is just what I talked about earlier. We are playing, we're, we're fighting two forces every week. We're fighting that force of complacency. We're fighting that force of perfection. Every, we're chasing that, that force of perfection. And so long, as long as we continue to chase perfection, we will be just fine. If we don't allow that spirit of complacency to set in and, and, and think that again, because we are a talented team, um, I, I think we'll prevent the letdowns. We'll prevent the, the lack of preparation because, again, our goal is to chase perfection. And if we do that, again, everything else takes care of itself. It doesn't matter the team that's coming in, whether it's a home game, away game, televised game, not packed house, empty stadium. It does not matter. We will be prepared to play on Saturday if we chase perfection. If we settle on complacency, we won't be as prepared as we need to be. And the good thing is that's our choice. There's nothing to do with West Florida. Had nothing to do with South Florida or Jackson State. It has everything to do with FAMU. And as long as we focus on FAMU, again, the outcome will take care of itself. Yo, me. Those are the words from head coach Willie Simmons at Monday, uh, his Monday press conference. The spirit of complacency versus the pursuit of perfection. I could not have said it any better. Than our coach, uh, guys. Any any thoughts or comments there, Marcus? Well, I like the way the coach um, is basically holding the team accountable. You're accountable to yourselves because, based on the potential, the team that's been assembled and the coaching you got you, that you're receiving, the results. I mean, the results are always on the team, but he's saying. If we focus on us and not look at the names on the front of the jerseys, regardless of who we're playing, and if we execute, then our goals will be met. You know, it'll it'll pretty much work itself work itself out. And so I think that's a level of confidence that not only has in the staff but also the team and the talents that he's assembled. And so he's making sure that that assemblance of talent and the execution of those talented players all match in order to reach the team goals. And he's continuing to reemphasize that. And I know there's a lot of memes and jokes about self-inflicted, self-inflicted wounds and all those type things, but it's a kind of a same theme in that if we don't, if we skip one of the F's, we don't do the fundamentals or all the other things we know to do, then that's on us, not necessarily the other team, but it's on us because all we can do is all we can do. We can't control the other team, but if we do what we're supposed to do, more often than not, the result's going to turn out in our favor. Mm -hmm. 
as I said earlier, Coach Bart bringing his A game this week. I, I got to give him props. He, he's saying the right thing, and, and he mean it. He's consistent with his message, as you pointed out. Uh, and I like the fact that he's not hiding, and you know, even at the uh, two twenty club, that you know the talent of this team. But you know, let him know talent don't mean you're gonna win. You have to put in the work every day leading up to game day and every week. So um, that that's the right message. Yeah, we're a talented team. Yeah, but don't get your head too full. You know, just continue to work and be the best version of yourselves. And then by the end of the season, you'll be where you need to be. And long as long as he keep that theme, that message, and the kids continue to buy in, um, I like our chances. Mm-hmm. Got a got a got a good friend that always has this great line that he tells uh, teams that uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So That's you know right. it's uh it's that's the key to it. I mean, regardless of how talented you talented you are, you gotta work hard. And I love how he talked about the process and and falling in love with the process, regardless of who your opponent is. And that's what the great teams do. Correct. Uh, yeah. Uh a couple of notes here. I know I, I started, let me see. Somebody had asked, so I wanted to make sure we mention this. Uh uh, no, EA asked about updates on two offensive linemen that came out injured following the South Florida game, and we do have updates. We know about those, Marcus, or um, Marcus, I think I saw you respond in the chats. So for those who maybe aren't in the chat rooms, what's the uh, update on those two offensive linemen? Well, based on what Coach Simmons shared during the coaches' show, he didn't share it in the previous two. Uh, interviews earlier in the day for the the local press uh, conference or the SWAC, but Cardell Thomas has a high ankle sprain and he's day to day or questionable. And he mentioned he may hold him out for until we start conference play. And for Mike Marshall, uh, he has a fractured leg fracture and he's out for the season, unfortunately. And both of those players represent our two deep chart at left guard. Yeah, uh, I think even the the depth chart that I saw. So there was two things that I noticed when I looked at the depth chart in the game notes, and I don't know if you guys saw that. It was a that uh, uh, that those two guards were out. So we will have to watch and see uh, how Coach Henry shuffles mm-hmm. and moves people around. Caesar, I'm sorry, Julius Caesar. Uh, the Caesar. Guy. Caesar, 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 the guy who started, yeah, who got hurt last year. Oh, um, um, he he moved into the. Uh, I think he's getting more reps at the at the guard spot, which he started at against UNC until he got hurt last year. Okay, and um, and I know uh, TJ. I'm not TJ. Uh, yeah, TJ Lee, coach said that uh, you know, he was getting a little winded and so forth. So we we rotated a lot of guys. If if you didn't. If you didn't watch the, the game and the notes, because offensive line is not the sexy uh, uh, spot, but um, we, we rotated a lot of uh, – we, we got into our, our 3D, frankly, uh, even before the injury. So uh, we we have them there. We, we we still will be starting someone who has started experience at FAMU. Uh, we just, we'll just have to see, um, you know, in, in terms of continuity and, and just getting more reps. Uh, how how that how that plays out? 
And Kelvin, let me ask, so would the viable candidates be Cesar Reyes, who was our transfer from USF last year, got hurt in the UNC game, uh, Kendarius Cunningham, who is a vet at FAM, and also uh, TJ Demas, who is, I guess, he's a, yeah, he'd be a true sophomore. He came from Clearwater, Clearwater Catholic last All year. All the way up started. Mm -hmm. Would those be All the way up, yeah. Yes. And what I about? Would think, I would think so. Yeah, we still have like a couple of transfers. I don't know if we've seen them yet. Um, the young man from University of Buffalo. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I'm not going to mispronounce it. And we also have, uh, oh gosh, there's a gentleman that came from transfer from Mississippi. He's from a JUCO in Mississippi. I want to say KJ McCoo, or I believe that's his name. And he he was a three star coming out of high school, but he ended up going to a JUCO in Mississippi. So I mean, we still have just throwing around names depending on how the fit, you know, in terms of depth and experience and size. Yeah, yeah, we and there's one other name that got injured that coach mentioned. Uh, I think his last name was Clark, uh, DB. Uh, I think he okay. Lamar, he mentioned. Lamar, he mentioned Lamar. Yeah, he mentioned that he hurt his shoulder, going to have to have shoulder surgery, so he's he's probably out for the year two. Okay, yeah, yeah I think he's a sophomore from um, Mosley High School. Yeah, he's a sophomore. He was playing the uh, in the nickel behind Kamani King, mm. according to the depth chart. the The other depth chart note uh, that I that caught my eye was the free safety spot, uh, Andre Powell has moved into the starting spot. The redshirt sophomore uh, has moved into over Lovey Jenkins. Uh, Lovey Jenkins has moved. I that that's why look that that's why I brought that up. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna say anything, but you you I, know. <laughs> yeah, I just thought I'd mention it because it was one of those visual. I things think that, I, I think I think it's warranted. Yes. Yes, it is. Probably so. I, I don't disagree with you. Okay. Um, all right. So let's let's kind of move forward. Obviously, uh, coming up, coming up this upcoming Saturday, it's Ken Riley Day. Ken Riley Field. These uh, visuals here, courtesy of FAMU Athletics, for those of you who are watching. Uh, watching the show, um, Ken Riley Fields' name will be emblazoned between the 40s right there underneath the Rattler logo. Marcus, we were talking offline. I think we were both kind of – I don't know, Kelvin, how you thought about or if you gave any thought to the location of that. I thought it might be more of a signature kind of thing that might show up somewhere on the field. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm, you know, it is what it is. Uh, um, it, it's a guidelines to, you know, what your, your field surface can have and where it can be located at. You still got to have your hash, you know, and your logo can be a certain size and, and, um, so you got your football marking. So that limits the space on the field where you can put these kind of special things. You know the fact that they put it on the field is fine, but you know I was I was thinking more they they might put it uh 
somewhere else, uh, but it's it's prominent prominently displayed uh, on on the actual playing surface. So um, I, I I think it's fine. I, I like it. Uh, so of course, Ken Riley Day is Saturday, September sixteenth. Uh, there's going to be a pregame mixer in the Lawson Center from three thirty to five p.m. Uh, where all of Coach Riley's former teammates, coaches, administrators, and friends are invited to attend. Uh, so that should be that should be a interesting uh, uh, spot to be in. At the I wonder if you got to have press credentials or you got to have some kind of badge to come in there. But anyway, that that should be cool. That should be a who's who of uh, Rattlers there. For that, then of course they're going to do the field dedication at 5:45 p.m. and there will be a mayoral proclamation at halftime. Uh, so that will be uh, very nice. And of course, special guests include Mrs. Barbara Riley, Ken Riley the second, Kimberly Connor, and Kanisha Avery. Uh, that's uh, Coach Riley's children, of course, along with his wife. Uh, so that'll be. Uh, It'll be pretty good to see all of them. And, of course, if you haven't seen the uh, the board, the scoreboard, and all of its beauty and luster, there it is, Rag Memorial Stadium. Uh, Ken Riley Field, of course, adorned on the bottom half of that. Uh, I think there's, that's pretty – I don't think there's anything else to add to the board, is there really? I see they got the speakers up. Mm-hmm. Kelvin, quick question. I meant to ask you this earlier. Do you yes, know Brian. if the, do you know if the I don't know what you call that the the wording across the top and the bottom will it light up or is it mainly? It does it gonna, light up. It does light up, Marcus. I'm going to add that because I've seen I've seen somebody had a visual. Kelvin, if it wasn't you, it was somebody else. Has a it visual. was me. I, I I don't know that to be the case. Brian, it could that could have been. I think the picture you're talking about might be the video board at night mm-hmm. that was lit up and it was like a greenish hue. Yeah, and the angle angle was taken from. I don't know if that lights up. Uh, I'll have to go look. Uh, I'm leaning towards no, I see but the, the, but I don't I, know. I, I don't know. I, okay, I, I I feel ninety percent confident that that the words light up. Uh, there's lighting. Behind those words, so like brag, it, it would make sense. Yeah, yeah, it would make sense for it to be lit up. Um, and then uh, uh, notice some of the visuals again. Now this is on. Uh, Kelvin took a couple of these photos here. Uh, that those visuals right there occur appear uh, on Gallimore Fieldhouse. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, and um, I went by today, but I didn't get it. I didn't take any pictures, but uh, yeah, the whole thing is is working and lit up now. You know, they've been programming it. Once you get everything connected, you have to program and all that good stuff. So they they still finishing up some of the finishing touches. And correct me if I'm wrong. I saw this on whose page? Maybe Rory Chirac's page. The green is there going to be some sort of light show where you know the thing nowadays is okay. So you, you know what I'm talking about, but you're already shaking your head. No, no, because Southern has those lights now. Uh, yeah. We didn't do anything to our lighting system yet. You know, 
didn't have the budget for it. So that hopefully will be a part of the 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 final phase of uh you know when we address ADA and and um the restrooms and concessions, some of the other stuff. Uh we'll 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 address the lighting system too. Uh EA, you're being messy. Don't be messy, EA. <laughs> Ask it with a play clockwork. Uh yeah. This is all right. Um and I think I think some of the other photos he has fingers crossed. Uh I saw some of the other photos, Kelvin. Uh we've already seen from previous shows where we showed the uh the parking lot. Um again. Yeah, so again, yeah. those are the parking lots already done. Yeah. Uh spaces. Looks are nice. there. They they've nice. opened it up. Today was the first day you could drive through it. They've opened they've opened up the parking lot now. Yeah, don't don't come in there with your leaky oil cars and parking <laughs> spots, leaving leaving oil stains in the in the spaces. Talking about this is my space right here. You know, now don't do that, folks. Don't do that. Can we at least have it? Can can at least be nice for it for at least a week? Can we get a week before something happens? I'm just asking. Just asking. All right. Um so we got a scoreboard watch here. Uh week two scores from around the SWAC. Man, it was a tough day for a couple of teams that took some 70 burgers in Texas Southern. Grambling. Uh congratulations to uh Coach Woody and Bethune Cookman getting their first win over Savannah State 31 to 6. Uh of course Jackson State goes into the bayou and pulls out a 27 to 14 win. So really in essence you only had two SWAC schools get a win. Oh uh, no, excuse me, three. Alabama AM with a 51 to 13, but they're playing lane. Yeah, I had to preface that. Uh Kelvin's UAPB uh Golden Lions lost to uh Tennessee State on a uh, blocked, so a blocked field goal, uh, what, under a minute to go? Under a minute yes. to go. Yes. A blocked field goal that would have tied the game at 17 yep. Yep. ends up turning into a touchdown for Tennessee State, and it goes up to 10. And that's after being down 17-0. Uh, they really – Offensively, they really didn't play a good game in the first half, but uh, the second half they came out, you know, in in toward the middle of the third, all the way to the fourth, they came out, you know, they they, they made adjustments. Yeah, they never led. They're they're a good team. They're never a good team. Led. They go. They're gonna get somebody. <laughs> we don't play up, so hold on. Is that is that part of the do theory? Does that go along with the do theory? They're gonna get somebody. Yeah. All right. Um looking back on our picks from last week, uh Kelvin and I were both on the side with Jackson State. Marcus thought Southern was gonna rebound. Sorry, sorry about that, Marcus. Um Marcus did, however, turned around. Fair play. I see Kelvin had me sipping the Kool-Aid, messed around and lost the Southern Heritage Classic as Marcus ends up getting the only win for the Tennessee State UAPB contest. Um, now, I don't 
I think when the, I asked the question, Texas Southern at Toledo, Grambling at LSU, I think the question I asked, would anybody get a win? And the, yeah, flat out, we all won that because we all said no. So we were <laughs> we were all on that side of the board. Um, Kelvin and I were simpatico with our Abilene Christian pick over Prairie View. Marcus, you were sipping the Kool-Aid on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was smart enough to pick Stephen F. Austin uh, while you two guys took Alcorn. Don't trust the don't trust the West. Don't, yeah, don't trust the West. Don't, out of conference, don't trust the West. That's the lesson. By, by the way, <laughs> did you know the West, the SWAC West, only has one win in two weeks? I mean, and that was a yeah. SWAC West versus West showdown. Yes. But, but yes. nobody, nobody has won a game in the West. Unbelievable. Um, Savannah State at Bethune. I have it on here, but I don't think either of I don't know what we did. I don't remember picking that one. Yeah, I don't maybe we stayed away from that one. And then of course the upset of upsets was uh and I I didn't mention it there, but Miles College beating Alabama State, Alabama State at home, coming off of a win against Southern. And then they turn around and lay an egg to in-state rival uh, Kelvin and Marcus. Uh, you were on that. I I didn't think. I don't know. I don't know why I have none there. I don't. Maybe I didn't think. Maybe I didn't think Miles could win, or maybe I didn't think Alabama State would lose. But uh, props to you two guys for picking correctly uh, for that. Uh, bold predictions. Uh, let's see. Kelvin come away the week one winner in bold predictions because of the score. Marcus comes away as the winner in bold predictions for week two because Marcus said that Jeremy Musa would throw for over 250 yards, and he well surpassed that. Uh, no special teams touchdown for you, Kelvin. And once again, my pick six was denied. Look, I'm going to go somewhere else this time. Why? And you watch this time it'll happen. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go somewhere else this week, but you sure enough, as I do that, you know what's gonna happen. And so it's like, damn, damn, pick six. Okay. Um uh, okay, let me go to our upcoming week here. So that way we can keep it keep the show moving. Okay. These are some of the uh, SWAT games for this upcoming week. Uh, you've got an interesting matchup: Mississippi Valley State traveling to Delta State. Have you got? Did you guys see the video? Now we're not doing any picks just yet, so just hold on to your picks. Uh, did you guys see the fight between? Or I don't know if it was a fight, but yeah, it was a fight. The Shawan versus Delta State sideline brawl. No, I didn't see that one. No. Oh man, go go check my Twitter timeline. It should still be rather fresh. Then then Jackson State and Southern have a little scuffle at the end. Uh yeah, uh, it, it happens with every time. Every time there's a flag involved, and you're on the visitor's house, that, that you know so Jackson State came running out there with the J and the S and the U, and uh, sure enough, they came right to midfield, and Southern players or somebody took offense to it and it's like y'all want to fight now where was this fight in the game 
that's that's what I always say. When you lose, they should. Yeah, that's why I like what Florida State used to do. Florida State used to grab turf off your field, and they, and people would walk away with the sod with with a handful of sod. That's what you get when you when you when you lose and you don't protect your house. But yeah, but anyway, um, this upcoming week also let's see, Grambling is hosting Florida Memorial. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff is hosting Miles. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are the afternoon contest, and then as we get into the evening, um, a lot of D two games this week. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. Delta State's usually no joke. No, no, four four Division two. Well, any uh, Florida Memorial is not a Division two, uh, but as an NAIA, we would qualify them as sort of like an under D one level. Uh, NAIA would probably be equal to Division two. Um, Alcorn's hosting McNeese State. Um, Prairie View's traveling to uh, Southern Methodist University. There's a big matchup right there. Alabama A&M and Southern in Baton Rouge. Texas Southern. <laughs> uh, how about that? How about that? Cats and I dogs. Love, I hey. love Cornell Mano, man. That's my guy. He's always entertaining. <laughs> hey, you're, you remember the sound bite from the coach? About dogs, he's like, we don't want no dogs. There were no dogs around here. You know, I felt like somebody should have played a clip about dogs and cats. You know, man, I got this cat here and this cat man with no dogs. I don't want no cats around. I want some dogs. Like that—that that is that is Alabama A and M versus Southern dogs versus cats. Uh, we'll 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 give our predictions coming up here shortly. Um, can Texas Southern avoid getting seventy get put on them by a second? Consecutive team. Mm. No, I, I'm bandwagon. I, I, boy, look. I don't know I, about Rice. I mean, I, I jump. They're I'm competitive. Jump, I'm jumping off the the bandwagon so fast. Uh, might have a few scuff knees as I'm jumping. Um, that's that's how that's how hard I'm preparing to fall. And then Jackson State traveling to Texas State. Who is not look, they lost to this team a couple years ago in a winnable contest. That was a like a field goal game. This was like Shadur and them's Shadur's freshman year. They could have beat Texas State, if I'm not mistaken, a couple years ago. TC a couple them. of years ago. I don't Texas State is ranked. <laughs> look, I I my my Phil still guy tells me Texas State is ranked last in their um, in their division there, so I yeah. didn't they pull off a week win upset? Oh, yeah, yes. he ain't paying. He ain't paying attention. I, I, I haven't paid. <laughs> who they beat? Who they beat I, forgot who they, I forgot who they played, but it was somebody's like, huh? Hold on, let me let me go to my book they here. Sure let me did. Go. You're I absolutely right. Oh my goodness, who I can't remember who. I don't think it was Texas A and M, but it was somebody. No. Um, um, somebody, somebody knows who they beat. My goodness, you know, messed up. All right. I'll, I'll, man, boy, hold on before I, before I, wait a minute. Oh, Jeremiah Clark corrected me. Nope, they didn't play two years ago, they played Louisiana Monroe. Thank you, thank you for that. Uh, oops. yeah, that was like a 12 to 7 game or something like that. 
yeah, thank you for the for the uh, clarification there. Um, okay, so oh, they upset. They beat Baylor. They beat Baylor. Oh my. Okay. Ooh, Jesus. Okay, so now I have to rethink. And they lost to uh, um, University of San Antonio. Yeah. Yeah, they lost by you know it was twenty to thirteen. And and then you stack on the comments by TC Taylor, who's tired of playing on the road and out of his suitcase. Man, look, I don't know what the point spread is going to be, but I might be laying all my money with Texas State this week. I'm just saying. <laughs> all right, let's go to the picks contest here for, for this upcoming week. Um, I got five tight contests, tight games here for you. And you guys in the chats, you follow along too. Let us know. I'm going to go from five to one, which I think is the most interesting. So number five. I'm going to call this which HBCU versus FBS matchup, which HBCU is most likely to win. So, again, the candidates are Jackson State traveling to Texas State, Texas Southern traveling to Rice, or Prairie View traveling to SMU. Again, who is most likely to to, to win, as I see Kelvin shaking his head already. <laughs> D, none of the above. <laughs> I would say Jackson Hey, better hey, hey, question is, who's most likely to keep the game within 30 points? <laughs> oh, and, 30 points. And, and that is, and, and Marcus is correct. That would be JSU. So, so you like? Oh, wow, a lot of people chiming in with none, none of them. Jeez, uh, Marcus, do you are you joining that bandwagon or what are you saying here? Uh, I mean, Texas Southern. I mean, sorry, ooh, Texas, Texas State, State shocked Baylor at the beginning of the year, but then they flopped the next week against UTSA. Well, Texas, no, UTSA. Uh, didn't they go to a bowl last year? If I'm, I'm not yeah, mistaken. I think so. I think yeah, you know, the last they, they, year they were like they, they, ten and one or eleven and a, they, were, yeah, they were good. Yeah, yeah, they're a solid squad now. Hmm. So, so what, what what are you going with here, Marcus? The best chance to upset, if that's the question, I still say Jackson State. Will it happen? Yeah. We'll see. See, I feel like when we when we go off script, I feel like you you should get like minus two points, Kelvin. <laughs> if somebody wins for not for not making a pick, like you you get minus. I made a pick. I, well, I made that's, a not, pick. that's that's not the answer. But 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 the but honestly, is, is the question is who's most <laughs> like <laughs> the answer. Regardless, the question is the answer is D. None of the above, but or, or D, <laughs> D, D, get it? <laughs> I get it. So that's fine. You can stick with your answer. I'm just telling you, Marcus, I'm serving notice here. When we do this, because I think I was guilty of it too last week. When you when you totally lose, you, you, you lose minus two instead of even a point. Uh, hold on. This is, let me see. Jeremiah Clark says, if Jay's use wears the block on both sides of him, uh, that's an interesting statement, Jeremiah, because has now I'm assuming is the block, the traditional blue and white, because I've seen all kinds of different colors from the JSU helmets in the first 
three weeks. Is that what he's referring to? Mm-hmm. The traditional blue and white? Yeah, I, I believe that's what he's talking about. You know, I, I would agree with you on that. And, you know, I'd be a little triggered if I was all this changing of the logos and stuff, man. You know, where's the tradition? Get back to the tradition. And anyway, I, I don't care what y'all do. Jackson State, I ain't good. All right. All right, so there's there's our choices. Moving to number four, uh, and this one's called the under D1 versus SWAC. So this is the under D1. This is the non-division one versus the SWAC. Who is most likely to lose? Which SWAC team is most likely to lose? The candidates are UAPB versus Miles, Grambling versus uh, Florida Memorial, Valley versus Delta State. And I'm not putting us in West Florida in this conversation. So the hell with anyone who's asking. But those are the three I'm putting in this contest. UAPB versus Miles, Grambling versus Florida Memorial, or Valley versus Delta. Who is most likely to lose? Ooh, I'm seeing people coming in quick and hard with that. Valley. Asking us? Yeah. Is Valley. Yeah. I agree. And Delta State's coming in as the number six ranked uh, D2 team. Now, I don't know what suspensions they're going to have from that scrap they had. So that might have an impact on it. But, I mean. No, I don't think there's a lot. Those suspensions, most of those suspensions, I believe, were levied to uh, Shawan. I don't know if Delta State, because that happened on the Shawan sideline, man. Those The Delta State kids were the victims. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> guys swinging helmets and man, that was ridiculous. And then you had fans along the fence. That was that was nuts, Goodness man. Gracious. Yeah, it was. Yeah, go check my timeline again. I I I I have it on there on my Twitter handle. On my Delta timeline. State almost beat D two years ago. Yeah, they almost did. Yeah, that was a tough game. Yeah, and, they almost and... did. Um. So the so I I think consensus seems to be Valley and UAPB by most of the people here. What what say you guys? Marcus. And what was that question again? So the question is who is most likely to lose? UAPB, Grambling or Mississippi Valley? Oh, I already answered that. Valley. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear you. Sorry. Yeah, all right. Valley. We uh, said Valley. Yeah, I'm going with you. I'm going UAPB. I mean, I could go with the easy. I could go with the easy win and say Valley and be right there with y'all. But <laughs> I, I, I just want to come back and gloat at Kelvin because he'll he, probably tell me he just want to eat somebody. crow. He he just want to eat crow. No, I I just want to come back and be able to tell be able to tell Kelvin uh, when he comes back and says. Man, UAPB played so well in those first three quarters, and then I don't know what happened in the fourth. I'm just, I'm just gonna be like, I don't know why he ain't no UAPB. I'm not. Well, you, you know why I'm hating? Nah, that I'm, mean old lion. It's petty. It's petty. It's petty. I would say something, but I'm not. No, I mean, look, I. It's all. It's y'all. It's y'all. It's all of you. All of you guys who were sell, trying to sell me on an 0 two team. That's. By telling me how great they look. I'm like, they're 0-2. Anyway. Okay. Our third game. McNeese State at Alcorn State. 
this is a game I believe that uh, Alcorn won on the road. No, who was a preview? No, I know. I ain't saying that. Don't trust the West. <laughs> you, talk, you talking about UAP? Hey, let me tell you something. You talking about UAPB is 0 2. Hell, ain't all the sweat? Ain't, ain't all the West 0 2? Oh, yeah. Outside so, of a preview? Preview. Outside of preview, yes. The whole, the whole West is 0 2. Yes. Okay. All right. So it so, <laughs> sounds like you're going with Meek me State. Absolutely. Uh huh. Uh, what about you, uh, Marcus? Yeah. I don't know what McNeese is doing this year, but yeah, I'll go with them. Uh, I like corn. I like corn. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. So that, that's where I'm putting my don't trust the don't trust the West, but I'm gonna make the mistake. And uh all because I like corn. <laughs> okay. Now here's the East versus West matchup. This one counts. So Southern has played two SWAC opponents already. Those didn't count. This time the cats oh, they count. are hosting the dogs. The cats are hosting the dogs. Alabama AM traveling to Southern. Who you guys like in this one? This one counts in the standings. Damn, John Taylor's got me thinking. Can I be too late to switch my pick? Oh, you like them dogs. You like them dogs. I like I, li- I like that. Hey, I like them from the beginning. I told you that was my surprise team. I picked them to be number two in the East. You did. I'm waiting. I'll wait. I'll wait for them to play Jazz U. Mm. Uh what do you got? What do you got there, uh, Marcus? A lot of people coming in on the Alabama State side. It's just just anti-Southern talk. I just can't see Southern going over three. I, I can't either. I, I but I but I think I can. Have you I, seen I, those suits? <laughs> have you seen those fake Louis? Believe. I believe. Oh wow. No, you, you're being real messy right now, Kelvin. You're being real messy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Oh man. They said is blood still their quarterback? His <laughs> blood is thicker don't than water. Trust the, don't trust the West. But, you know, man, the theme is heavy right now. I I got ooh. But who'd you say, Marcus? I missed it. I'm a pick seller. Oh man, you you said that was such a confident. yeah, he's so he's so confident in that thing. He sounded excited. (laughs) I like dogs. I'm going with the dogs. I mean, you know, the dog is bigger. The dog's bite is gonna come get Southern. Hey, so Southern will win a game when um Dooley start wearing them them Gucci's on the sideline. (laughs) He got he got to put on some SU SU gear or something. That's when they'll win. That's my prediction. That's my bold prediction. <laughs> Y'all hating on the fact that the man wears an ass. You know what? What's funny is folks were folks were praising Dooley's fit all of two seasons ago. Uh, I guess it's because he was winning. Now y'all, y'all ripping the ascot. You you're ripping the shoes. 
I mean, he might not even be wearing socks with shoes. I mean, y'all just like nasty <laughs> with it. Y'all just real nasty with it. Okay. And the last game I chose is a non-swat game. They call this the 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 battle or the battle for the real HU. Uh, Hampton versus Howard in Audi Field in Washington, D.C. Hampton has owned this series this decade. Did, Hamp- did, this did Hampton just lose the – did they just lose the Norfolk State? Uh, did I say that right? Not statistically. No. Not statistically. Did they lose the game? <laughs> not statistically. <laughs> I'm on the scoreboard. Yes, they lost. Hey, well, that, that's Money. all that matters, right? <laughs> not, not always, Kelvin. Not always. Oh, sometimes, it always matters. Sometimes stats matter. Who are you going with, Kelvin? I want to hear your you answer. A stat, you a stat guy. You a stat I, guy. I am a stat nerd. Who are you going with? Yeah. I'm going with Howard, man. Yeah, I knew you were. I knew you're going with Howard. I knew you're going with Howard. Look at all these other people here. There's yeah, I'm gonna say Howard. Oh. Is um is what's in it? Is Eden James back yet? I know he got hurt in that Eastern Michigan game. Uh, ooh. I don't know. I I like this name, the other bougie classic. <laughs> That's are- pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, I don't know if he's back or not, to be honest. Are you? Um, well, I'm still going to pick up? Howard. You're still going to pick Howard? All right. Yeah. I, um, I call them affectionately Howard because the H has been taken from them the last six seasons and 17 of the last 20 years. They played 21 times this century. Hampton has owned that ass. I'm going with Hampton. <laughs> and, and they have taken the H. And slapped Howard across the face with this, it. This, this, this is a different year. That okay, that's what they've now, said the last. Hey, hey, nah, 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 if you tell me, if you tell me, at and and Central, now nah, Central is owning an A&T ass. <laughs> hey, now, now I will say the the the, the this is one of those uh, Miak versus CAA. Games, which is all of a sudden a big talking, and the Miak and, and is like three and zero right now, right? Yeah, the Miak is on the verge of putting together some nice numbers against the yeah. CAA, which is uh kind of kind of crazy. But so yeah, if Howard were to win this, uh, that would go a long way towards uh. That would that would go a long way. Let me just put it like that. That would go a long way. All right. So, they might get a team in the playoffs. Man, look. Whoever gonna win out of Morgan Central? It, how no? Morgan got a win over Rank Richmond already, and yeah. they should have had a win over D. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If they finish like tied with Howard or Central, they got a legit shot. So does Central. Well, I mean, look, they got a shot. That, that's the they got a shot. That's, that's the one thing about the way the MEAC schedule is set up is people can because there's so many non there are more non conference games than there are conference games, so mm-hmm. you really do give yourself a strong footing. And so if these MEAC schools, and that's assuming they don't beat themselves up, like you know, end up all with two losses in conference play, you know, that'd be right. MEAC. 
that'd be true Miyakish, uh, where they all end up with two losses, or at least three teams end up with two losses. And then you're stuck trying to figure out there's no the, the tiebreaker system will be new because there won't be multiple champions this year. Uh, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Okay. Um, let's see. All right. FAMU, West Florida. Uh, some keys. What are your, what are some keys or some things that you are looking for that you want to see materialize Marcus in this contest? I want to see us establish the run game. I'd like to see a game plan similar to the Jackson State game, to the OBC, where we reestablish the run. One thing I've noticed, and I don't know, I mean, looking at the number of carries, it seems like we're leaning on Jacquez Yant and Terrell Jennings a lot. And this is no casting no uh, disparities towards them. But I want to see Kelvin Dean have a breakout rushing game. I want to see a breakaway touchdown. Um, I'd like to see Musa over 60% passing, 65 preferably, no turnovers, efficient game. And I'd like to see the defense, you know, despite, you know, a very formidable D2 team, I want to see a defensive performance similar to what we saw in the OBC. Now, granted, we had FCS opponent, then a Group of five, FBS, and now we're at D2. So I know it's not apples to apples in terms of talent, depth, and all that type stuff. But I think a good jumping off point for getting into the conference play would be a resounding, confident win. And that's what I want to see, especially on dedication to Ken Riley. Mm -hmm. All right, Kelvin, what do you got? Clean game meaning no turnovers, uh, we'll win just with that alone. I, I'm telling you, I said it before the season, that what different what differentiates this team from previous teams and everybody in the swag is our defense. I think Coach said, and I hadn't looked it up, but I believe Coach said, and I think he's right, we're leading the uh, Division One in um, sacks. Hmm. It might be for tackles for loss, too. So... So this defense is special. Uh, he mentioned, and he was absolutely right. USF had 550 something or so yards of offense against Western Kentucky. We held them to like three, what thirty or three hundred six, somewhere around there. So this defense, I, I believe in this defense. I believe in home field advantage. I do believe um, West Florida will come in and um, try to get off to a good start, and there might be some filling out. I do believe that they won't be intimidated. But ultimately, I just believe we're a deeper, more talented team. And at some point, it, it it'll play out that way. Now, though, the, but but clean game and then Musa completion percentage. That's important. We have to run in the ball and then Musa getting over 55%. I think that's key. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're 23rd in total defense in FCS. I haven't looked up the sack numbers. I'll look that up in a minute. Central, oh, you look at the top 10, you got Central, Morgan, Alabama State, and Jackson State at 11. And Howard, 17. So we're playing some defense in HBCU ball. I mean, that was early. We're playing out-of-conference games, but 
couple of us got FBS games and still in the top 25. Mm-hmm. FAMU is currently in a 15-game home winning streak, second longest in FCS. Um, FAMU has two of the top returners in the nation, and Marcus Riley, who is second in the nation in kick returns with an average of 38.2 yards per kick return, and Jamaria Sharid is first in punt return yardage, 31.7 yards per punt return. Uh, Jamarie is third in the nation in all-purpose yards. Of course, he had 195 yards in the opener versus Jackson State. Um, You know how I like my numbers. So, uh, you know, I charted at the beginning of the year what the data analytics thought about this game, Massey ratings. You'd be surprised. Massey only gave – now, Massey ranked. Florida A&M as the second best HBCU team, but they only gave FAMU a 40% chance of winning. Actually had West Florida winning this contest 31 to 27. That was preseason before any games were played. I go and take a look right now. Uh, FAMU has a 48% chance of winning. So essentially it's moved to a pick according to the data analytics uh, West Florida with a one and a half point margin, which is mind numbing to think um, that the computers think we're an underdog. Uh, so, I mean, we're going up against a nationally ranked team. Um, we're nationally you know, ranked. We okay? Yeah, well, okay. Let me get let me get there. Um, <laughs> Yes, we are. And uh, so, I mean, this is this is going to be a closer game that I think a lot of us are going to care to want to see. Now, mm. that's unless we are executing in all phases sort of perfectly. You know, I, I don't think. You can't you can't beat anybody when you turn the ball over as many times as we did, and so that's the real question. You, you, Kelvin talked about playing a clean game. If fam, you can play a clean game, I think we can win this game. We were in, we're in for a dogfight if we give up a couple of turnovers in the first half, and especially depending upon where we turn the ball over, you know. Um, so. You know, I, I don't I don't know what to sort of, you know, I, I'd love to make my bold prediction again on a a, a pick six or something of that nature. Um, I think Terrell Jennings has been a great. Let's see. He had two. He had two touchdowns against USF rushing the ball. Um, I think I think this game is a Jaquez game. So my bold prediction is Jaquez Yant over 80 yards rushing, two scores. Over 80, two scores by Jaquez Yant. Uh, what's your bold prediction, Marcus? I'm going to say Jamari Sharid punt return. Touchdown. Okay. 
Uh oh. No. Uh, let me change. I want to. Let me get a. Um... I'm gonna put it on here because if it happens, okay. you can be mad at yourself. Okay. I'm gonna say a Javen Morgan interception. Okay. I'll give you both of them. That's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah, over eighty. What I say, yeah, over eighty yards and two touchdowns. All right, Kelvin, what's your bold prediction? I think we're gonna run collectively for over two hundred and fifty yards this game, and um, I'm predicting we'll win by at least eighteen. We're gonna pull away. Hmm. 18 plus, huh? That would be impressive. That would be impressive. If you run for 250 yards, we're going to win back. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, You know, these these games, there are usually no no workable or real good lines that you'll find. Most books don't usually mess with Division II versus uh, uh, Division I or slash FCS. But if I find one, I may tweet it out. I'd be curious to see if there is anybody bold enough to put some line out there. Because, I mean, there's no way any reasonable sports book is going to put a – I mean, two ranked teams, right? Uh, a top 25-ranked FCS team, a top 10-ranked Division II team, and you're going to make the Division II team on the road the favorite? Nah, ain't no nah, – no, no, no book is that crazy. To do that, no, no, that's especially after the South Florida game to show you how how much respect we got around the country. We didn't drop out the polls in any poll. No, no, and and I don't think we should have because I think anyone. No, we can, no, anybody who can look at that, and I'm not going to use the the si word, but anybody who can look at that game and can kind of see, man, you guys gave them five turnovers. And where you gave them those turnovers at, uh, yeah, you should have lost. So, um, but you but you played pretty good ball regardless of those five miss five Jesus five mishaps that that had to you lose sleep thinking about that. Um, okay, all right, all of our bold predictions are in again. Marcus goes with Jamari Sharid punt return touchdown, or and or. A Javen Morgan interception. I went with Jacquez Yant rushing for over 80 yards and two touchdowns. And Kelvin, thinking with the rushing theme here, says as a team, we rush for over 250 yards. And as a team, we win by 18 plus points. So um, if you guys have bold predictions, you can send them in to us on the email. Uh ONG strike zone at gmail.com is the email. Um, you can also hit us up on Twitter. You see it right there in the handle. You can, or on the scroll, you can hit us up on uh, Twitter or X or whatever they, whatever it's, whatever the kids call it these days. Um, you can hit us up there and let us know what you think. Um, yeah, or you can even let us know on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at ONG Strike Zone, where you can find us. Go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app, My JBN, My BCSN is uh, where you can find that app. 
And also, we are part of the BCSN Pod Zone, uh, which is also an opportunity to download all of the shows that are part of the Black College Sports Network. Uh, those of you watching on YouTube, take advantage of becoming a JBN member. You can support the Black College Sports Network by becoming a JBN member. Support our show even. We'll be dropping uh, some 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 upcoming uh, content. Uh, first watch, maybe first watch interviews, even some special shows. I know we've been doing our post-game shows, you know, free. But who knows? We might put it for JBN members. So don't. Don't delay, you know, go ahead and uh, become a JBN member right there. YouTube.com slash myjbnonline slash join. Uh, you can always make a uh, contribution or donate to the show right there via Cash App. You can hit up the Super Chat. Uh, all of those ways are open and available, and we appreciate, you know, any contributions that you guys provide uh, so that helps us. Uh, keep this thing going. Kelvin, have we have we thought about where we're going to do pregame and what time we might do a pregame show? I figure we can we'll, talk we'll, about. It. Yeah, we'll 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 pin that down. There's some options. Okay, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna post that uh, on the on the gram or on X, one of those two places. We'll let you know. Where the po where the pregame show is, and so maybe you'll come join us, be a part of the pregame show wherever we are, if it's uh if that if we have that ability to do it, and then be looking out for the postgame show. Won't be as late as it was last week, hopefully, and um, so that'll give us an opportunity to uh, to talk about the game. All right, fellas, it's been a fun show, fun show. Ready for uh ready for this contest. Looking forward to. Traveling to Tallahassee somehow, somewhere. I'm gonna find my way up there, and uh, and we'll make it happen. Uh, Marcus, any any final thoughts as we close down the show tonight? Looking forward to the game, Coach Simmons. Don't make me too nervous, and just looking forward to the to the wrap up. Kelvin, don't trust the West. Stick with the East. <laughs> That's that's one of the most powerful, impactful things I think you you said. Don't trust the West. Yeah, you, you're right. I'm. I wish I could go back and change. You know, these picks are solid now. They're on. They're on. They're recorded. They're, what they say. What did the kids say? They're on wax. So yes, it's it's. I can't change them now. Although I really like to change uh, one or two of those picks now. I'll go on. What was I thinking? Okay. Well, it is what it is. So. Will root. Um, the game is on HBCU Go. So again, want to encourage you. It's a 6 p.m. kickoff. HBCUGo.tv or .com. One of the two. Download the app. If you're not going to be going to Tallahassee, if you're in the area and you can make it, get to Bragg Memorial Stadium. I know they're doing all kinds of special promotions for kids, for families. So there's no excuse, no reason to not start off by bringing your family and your friends. To the uh, to the home uh, home kickoff, the marching 100 will be there, and so it should be should be fun. Should be a great opportunity to watch FAMU football, and and hopefully FAMU will take care of business and get back on the winning streak and uh, start a new streak rather 
and take care of business at home. So that's going to do it for this show. We'll see you in Tallahassee. For Marcus Green, Kelvin Rozier, I'm Brian Fulford. Fangs up, Rattler Nation. Make sure to go at them hard. Make sure to strike. Strike. And strike again. Peace out, everybody.